Hashtag WCW, we celebrate women, and today we're celebrating Jennifer Hudson through music. So you will only be hearing songs by Jennifer Hudson played throughout today's show. Welcome to Coffee in Tow. For this war Coming up in about a minute, we're going to have the headlines from all around the world. Let you know what we're going to be talking about today. Ooh, that's how it's going to be. We're going to fight. Why trip on conversations about our past? Like, like we didn't make it, like we didn't man up and take it. Straight up and with you, we go back like Philip I know I'm crazy. That's how you made me. For this war And I die for mine Cause you're worth fighting for Can't nobody tell me about this here love Let me make it clear Everything we've done in the name of us Done in the name of love Be nothing I'm gonna fight for you It is a quarter past the top of the hour. We're going to go ahead and get into the headlines. No matter what. We're going to get back to some more music, but first, the headlines. Good morning to all of our listeners around the world. Logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com and JohnnoRadio.com. Good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Wednesday, April 5th. Chip, chip, chip. The days are chipping away. It is hashtag WCW. We celebrate women today and every Wednesday. Today, we're celebrating Jennifer Hudson. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. You can follow me on Twitter at me Media Moments, on Instagram Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on TikTok Moments with me media. And the mean everything is M.I. And here are the headlines we have coming up for you today. We got quite a bit packed into the Caribbean corner. Five Caribbean writers shortlisted for Commonwealth Short Story Prize. And the Saharan dust season has arrived. I'm glad for it. I know 
it's annoying because of her sinuses but i'll take the sinus issues over hurricanes i'm just saying ihop opens in the bahamas i wonder if they're gonna have conch fritters on the menu grenada prime minister announces minor cabinet reshuffle also out of grenada uh grenadians are experiencing acute gastroenteritis outbreak guyana importing stones from jamaica to meet local demand saint vincent's deputy prime minister in cuba for medical treatment out of jamaica manic monday nine murders recorded across the island a man was shot while picking up his child from meadowbrook prep a project star gives job training to 50 residents in um some underserved communities and nht launches external financing mortgage program Egyptian upbeat as wine slow and you're probably wondering but that ain't a new song no it's not but i'm gonna tell you something sometimes we release songs and they don't take off in some markets right away but eventually they catch on well Egyptian is quite upbeat as wine slow gets recognition in the uk out of latin america u.s customs agents seize drugs and nab suspects in the caribbean sea on the international scene the united kingdom finds tiktok 15.9 million dollars over misuse of children's data united nations says its female staffers have been banned from working in afghanistan stories out of north america family found dead trying to reach the u.s faced removal from canada an 11 year old tried to start school trauma club before committing suicide due to bullying and things to know about donald trump's felony charges well well oh here this one stormy daniels has been ordered to pay the trump team another one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in legal fees somebody make it make sense to me in health and science news nasa announces first woman and first black astronauts to go on a lunar mission washington state stockpiles thousands of abortion pills on the sports scene north carolina bill could ban participation trophies for local youth sports and in believe it or not stories a third grader says officer slammed him against desk then offered him pizza to stay silent and a barber impersonates officer to gain entry into megan the stallions sold out houston show we're gonna have the details of those stories and more coming up after a little more music from jennifer hudson keep it locked take me to heart and i'll always love you and Just like 
other good begets good bad begets bad remember that it's just the way of life if you want good you gotta know how to give good you want love gotta know how to give love you want respect you gotta know how to give respect Today it is all about Jennifer Hudson. Beautiful soul, beautiful, powerful voice. big thank you to everyone wherever you are in the world and you're listening either on the quality music zone qmzradio.com or janoradio.com i thank you do it all alone how many good friends have i already lost and how many dark nights have i This one is from the movie Dream Girls. I am changing. I am changing. I'll be better than I am. But I need a friend to help me start all over again. That would be just.
25 after the top of the hour, five minutes to the bottom. Get going. Ooh, some, when some people sing, you feel the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, even if you ain't got no hairs there. you do these things to me friends keep telling me that you ain't no good oh, 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 oh they don't know why i leave you if i could Squeeze in one more before we get into the details. So and when I knew I had to face another day, Lord, it made me feel so tired. Before the day I met you, life was so
Thank you once again to everyone logged on and listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. Thank you to everyone right here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. I'm Moments With Me, and you're listening to Coffee Into World News on the go. Remember to tune in every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. It is where I read the news and we share our views. It is time for us to go ahead and get into the details, and we're starting off in the Caribbean corner. It is hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday, and today we are crushing. Well, no, no, no. I, I changed it. Let me back up. I did change it from Woman Crush Wednesday to We Celebrate Women. Let me correct myself. We celebrate women every Wednesday, and today we are celebrating Jennifer Hudson through music. So we start off this segment with some good news. Five Caribbean writers shortlisted for Commonwealth Short Story Prize. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. Short stories submitted by writers from Guyana, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, and the Bahamas have been shortlisted for the 2023 Commonwealth Short Story Prize. The stories are the Ovelias at Benzie Hill Dump by Alexia Tolas out of Bahamas, Where the Winds Blow by Cosmata Lindy out of Guyana, Road Trip and Fall by Demoy Lindo, representing Jamaica, Okoye and Kwame McPherson, Jamaica, and Teef from Teef by Deborah Matthews, Trinidad and Tobago. These stories are among 28 outstanding stories that have been shortlisted by an international judging panel for the world's most global literature prize. The writers come from 19 countries across the Commonwealth and the shortlisted entries tackle subjects from illness, human trafficking and decay to relationships and hope, as well as family secrets, growing up gay in a hostile world, generation gaps, bittersweet friendships, and making one's way in the world of work. They span genres from speculative and comic fiction to historical fiction and crime. The Commonwealth Short Story Prize is awarded annually for the best piece of unpublished short fiction from any of the Commonwealth's 56 member states. It is the most accessible and international of all writing competitions in addition to english entries um the ent- well in addition to english the entries can be submitted in bengali chinese creole french greek malay portuguese samoan swahili tamil and turkish so it's not just for english speakers okay so if anyone wants to participate next year pass the information along they are able to submit their writings in english Bengali, Chinese, Creole, French, Greek, Malay, Portuguese, Samoan, Swahili, Tamil, and Turkish. All right. So congratulations to the um, five writers who were shortlisted. 
The Saharan dust season has arrived. Story also courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. If you live in the Caribbean, you know how intense the Saharan dust can get as hazy skies indicate tough times ahead for persons with allergies like myself. People sensitive to the event usually know when the dust is here. Itchy eyes, sinus pressure, shortness of breath, along with other health issues begin to emerge. The U.S. National Weather Service in San Juan, Puerto Rico, on Monday indicated that the dust of the Saharan season has arrived. It says the dust season in the Caribbean region is from May to September. However, June and August are the months with the highest presence of Saharan dust across the region. Some islands in the Caribbean are already experiencing the effects of the Saharan dust. In Trinidad and Tobago, the Met Service in its forecast on Tuesday said a moderate concentration of Saharan dust is present and that persons who are sensitive to these changes in air quality are advised to take the necessary precautions. So take the, the, the masks are not just for COVID or flu, but hold on to masks, um, folks. If you have to be outdoors, put your masks on. They will definitely help. I, 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 I appreciate, you know, with every bad, there is some good. But for the past couple of years, uh, the Sahara dust coming across has eased the impact of hurricanes yes it helps with hurricanes um with the number of them that actually um hit land all right so i i'll put on my mask and head outside gotta take the or gotta look for the good and the bad (laughs) if you want to put it that way so again mother mother africa is protecting us from some of nature's um effects time for us to take a little trip to the bahamas where i ha- i hap i hop is opening story courtesy of caribbean.loopnews.com the restaurant opened its first franchise location location in the bahamas on tuesday april 4 located in the mall at marathon this new restaurant will serve up the brand's world famous buttermilk pancakes burgers and familiar comfort foods all day long to commemorate ihop's arrival in the bahamas caribbean dining limited franchisee for the country hosted a grand opening and ribbon cutting event at the mall at marathon ihop is happy to be here and we're honored to bring this world favorite restaurant brand to the bahamas this location will serve as our caribbean dining headquarters for the english-speaking caribbean islands where we plan to employ hundreds of bahamians and invest millions into the bahamian economy i don't know if i should celebrate or not ihop in the bahamas but i do hope is that they will integrate some um, Bahamian favorites, for example, conch fritters, into the menu. I, I believe any, um, my belief, and I know uh, corporations have their protocols. I know that. Don't shoot me. But it would be good if um, overseas companies looking to set up shop in the U.S., um, restaurants, franchises, if they also incorporate the islands or some of the islands' dishes, 
or you know put a twist on it and include some island favorite something something along that line yeah that, that's what i'm thinking all right um by the way went to tjf in jamaica wasn't bad the food tasted different there i still haven't tried kentucky yeah don't not me folks but the food tastes better at tgif in jamaica i don't know if it's that heart and soul that goes into preparation or there the things aren't frozen and shipped in plastic bags done different i don't know what it is but something, something was different that's all i'm gonna say way better Grenada, here we come. Grenada Prime Minister announces minor cabinet reshuffle, courtesy of Caribbean.loop News. Prime Minister Dickon Mitchell Tuesday gave up the portfolio of Minister of Finance in a minor cabinet reshuffle that resulted in him adding the Minister of Public Utilities to his workload. Mitchell, who led the National Democratic Congress, NDC, to office in June last year, said that the decision to reassign the ministerial portfolio of finance is to allow him to get the opportunity to cross-learn and cross-train in different government ministries. Mitchell told a news conference that Dennis Cornwall, the incumbent Minister for Infrastructure and Physical Development, Public Utilities and Civil Aviation and Transportation, has become the new Minister for Finance. He said Cornwall is a former public servant who served in the Ministry of Finance. Also out of Grenada, Grenada is experiencing acute gastroenteritis uh, outbreak and I'm going to play a clip so that we are able to know what to look for what my folks in Grenada need to look out for in terms of signs and symptoms here we go firstly um, Grenada is experiencing an outbreak of acute gastroenteritis now this condition is characterized by nausea vomiting, abdominal cramps, and watery diarrhea. Some individuals may have fever and muscle pain, and the symptoms generally last um, between one to three days. Now, this increase in cases um, were noticed about three weeks ago, and in, 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 in the last three weeks, a total of 345 cases were reported. So those are the symptoms, folks. Again, nausea, vomiting, abdominal cramps, watery diarrhea. Some individuals may have a fever and a muscle pain. If you are experiencing any of these, these are this is to my folks in Grenada who are listening. If you are experiencing any of these symptoms, please do not delay in seeking medical attention so that you know exactly what to do to counteract and get better. Time for us to hop on over to Guyana. Guyana is importing stones from Jamaica to meet local demand. And this story was sent over courtesy by Dre. Thank you, Dre, for sending it over. Story courtesy of JamaicaObserver.com. The Guyana government on Monday confirmed that Jamaican companies had responded positively to the country's request for foreign supplies to export stones to the Caribbean community CARICOM country, even as it acknowledged that the demand for the material 
remains greater than is available. Public Works Minister Juan Edgehill told pro-government online publication Newsroom that the booming construction sector has resulted in stone and sand suppliers significantly increasing their prices and that the Irfan Ali government remains committed to engaging suppliers to resolve the issue. They have started to receive the supply uh, we have contracts and we have engaged people. We have thousands of tons that have come in. I don't think that what is here is anywhere near being able to satisfy the demand um, that they have. That's according to Edge Hill. Since last year, Guyana has been experiencing shortages in cement and stone, largely due to external supply chain challenges. That the situation has worsened with the UK, Ukraine-Russia crisis further constraining global supply chain efforts. Well, that's good to know that um, they're sourcing it from within the region. And if Jamaica cannot supply all that they need, I definitely encourage them to, which I'm sure they're probably going to do anyway, to see how they can call on other islands first and foremost. You know, go right ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Morning, morning, morning. 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 I, anticipate that they, I anticipate that they would be demanding a lot of that in a, for a period of time because with all the oil that was just found and a lot of the new activities you could you can see a lot of infrastructural development and so going on. So the demand for stone and those products might be increased over the short to medium term in Guyana. It would be nice, as you say, if they continue to source it from other Caribbean islands. That would be a boost for the Caribbean economy, and we could piggyback on the oil boom in, in Guyana. You know, let it spread to the region. So that's yes. a good move. Yes. And this is something that we've spoken about here, especially you, Donald. I know you have presented this argument many times that we need to be um, depending on each other. There needs to be more intra-regional trade, you know, because Edge Hill was saying that supplies from Canada, they were getting supplies from Canada at one point. Why? Always go to your peeps first, folks. Check your neighbor first. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, if we start to do these things, it would increase the um, likelihood of ferry services and stuff amongst the islands. Yes. Because if we have to source stuff from each other, we have to find ways of getting it there. You understand? So even that in itself would develop that, that kind of interaction, especially where it is economically feasible and there is profit to be had. Definitely need sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't know why this is playing. My apologies. Plugging in the monthly Please hold on one second, Donald. Let me close that. Okay, sorry. Go right ahead. Yes, yeah, so I finished my point, but I was saying, like, you know, once we start to interact in between the islands, mm -hmm. you would find um, transportation and stuff like that, logistics, and so amongst the islands that improve it. Because where there is the need for the products, and especially where it's profitable, we would find ways of getting it there. And yes. that would help in, um, improve some of the same constraints we have where we was just depending on Liat and stuff. Yes. You know, and maybe that will from them you know and CARICOM might take my idea as to looking at that entire feasibility study throughout the region to put a proper maritime system in place agreed the cost is shared amongst all concerned 
definitely definitely agree so we applaud this and of course we're going to be looking forward and as you just mentioned of course folks guyana has been experiencing a boom in the construction industry as the country uses the revenue derived from its newly discovered oil and energy industry Next up, we hop on over to St. Vincent. St. Vincent's Deputy Prime Minister is in Cuba for medical treatment. Prime Minister Dr. Ralph Gonsalves has postponed an official visit to Morocco this week as he confirmed that his Deputy Montgomery Daniel, 69, is in Cuba for medical attention related to an issue with one of his legs that had him hospitalized the hair in February. Gonsalves was scheduled to travel to London, then Morocco on Wednesday, adding that the issue with Daniel may be the result of a sciatic nerve problem. If he stands too much on his feet, it affects one of his legs. And of course, you know, that has to get addressed. Cuba, good old Cuba. We need Cuba. <laughs> Is it safe to say that they have some of the best um, doctors in the region? Uh, in the thinking. world in the, <laughs> in the world absolutely right no, Donald. No, Chibans, no you're uh, right Chibans are really good they, they have been consistent when it comes to medical because medical tourism is one of the biggest thing in cuba they have a lot of medicinal stuff they they created there and they have you know they're good in certain areas yes yes so we cannot turn our backs on cuba folks all right. All right. Our next set of stories out of Jamaica. Manic Monday as murders recorded across the island. Nine in one day. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM, the police high command led by Commissioner Major General Anthony Anderson will address the media. On the significant decline in major crimes recorded over the first three months this year compared to the corresponding period in 2022. Between January 1 and March 25 of this year, now folks, brace yourselves because it don't sound good. How many days have passed? Um, how many days from January 1 to March 25? Somebody do the calculation and let me know. But there were 280 murders within that short space of time. Yeah. That's wild. Boy, what's another word that's uh, more impactful than wild? Because I agree with you. How, we have what? 31 days. <laughs> I'm here counting. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's not a good look, people. 31 days in January. How many we had in February? 28? Yeah, 28 and then 31 in March. Okay, and this is up until the 25th of March. So it didn't even finish the month of March. So 25 and 31, that give us what? Um, 50. Oh, I'm sorry. I was counting from the 25th of okay, March. Okay, 31 <laughs> plus 25 plus 28. Okay, 84. 84, 85. Yeah, whichever one. Six or one half a dozen of the other. Whichever one, it still sounds bad. But wait, are you... But right now, you're counting those those three months or are you counting from March 25th to today? No, no, no. January 1 to March 25th. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. 
Good morning, moments. How many did you say? I'm sorry, my phone kept cutting out. I'm driving. <laughs> I just want to make sure I heard you say the number I heard because yeah, you heard me. Ludicrous. Two eight zero. Oh my god. Two hundred plus eighty. And that's In down. Five days. And that is better than the same period last year. Jeez. That's better. Yeah, it's better according to uh, Major General Anthony Anderson. Significant decline. Let me put the word right. Significant. Significant. No, 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 no. Oh my God! Let me go back on I'm going in my I, I can't. You have to find it last year number. That that that's not making sense. No, it's not. It's, it's not, not making sense. They're going to be at thousands by the end of the year. That doesn't make any sense. Well, that is seventy-one fewer, or approximately twenty percent less than the corresponding period last year so last year for that same time period 280 plus 71 how much that <laughs> Lord have mercy. 351 murders 351 okay murders. that happened in same time last year, in 84 days more than 100 people a month <sighs> that's almost what three to four people a day wow you know, Geely, you're right. Geely said the funeral homes must be banking. They must be making a lot of money. Yes. Makes you think. Remember something I said a couple weeks ago? Hmm. Funeral homes are a booming business in Jamaica. Didn't someone in this room a few weeks ago said that people were being paid? Yep. By mm -hmm. funeral mm -hmm. and whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll find another word yeah. right now. Right now, I'm just staying with frackinacle because I don't want to say anything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll mute my mic and say it for you because I'm saying it in the car. Absolute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's down, folks. So um, let us look at, let's look at the silver lining. 71 less. So did they say remember? what they did to get the 71 less, why they're celebrating this 20% um, decrease? So let me read. Okay. More effery. <laughs> let me, let me, let me read the rest of the article. Cause I'm just stomped at the number and you know, them saying, you know, that's good. Uh, shootings fell by 14%. Rape dropped by 50%. Aggravated assault fell by 13%. While robberies and break-ins dropped by 21%. But events on Monday, the nine murders, have put a damper on the celebration. Nine people were murdered in separate incidents across the island. There were three double murders in which the gun was the tool of death and two fatal incidents where knives were used to inflict the fatal wounds. Uh, no, so we're not hearing what the measure, measures are that were taken to bring down the number i'm gonna go out on a limb and say it is quite possible that one contributing factor was that but no that was outside of that period because i was gonna say remember when they were um saying that you could turn in the weapons uh, no but that was later in the year so that doesn't affect the first quarter i don't know that's a good question i mean it's terrible but um one has to actually acknowledge a 20 percent shift reduction in crime is a big deal. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a big deal no matter where you are. So any government agency or anybody in charge would 
want to highlight that there is a 20%. That's huge. That's almost like quarter. You understand? Mm-hmm. So um, I could understand the highlighting that, but the point is, why is it so bad? <laughs> and it goes back to a point that we was making when you're talking about people coming there and staying in the supporting the local businesses. And I was highlighting that crime is one of the reasons why people don't feel safe doing that. Imagine if Jamaica brings down the crime to the point where the average person feel they could just walk in the streets freely and enjoy Jamaica from a real granular level. You know what I can do for the economy? <laughs> oh, and for anyone listening who follows me on TikTok, that's the reason why people got to grill their houses up. Robbers and break-ins. Oh, somebody commented on the, my post on TikTok that that's not our style of grill. Excuse you? You see, we need to let go of certain ideas, Jamaicans. Um, um, let me not say anything. Yeah. I don't understand. I'm sorry. I, I don't understand what you're saying. What happened to the grill and why? So they're, they're telling the me, yeah, they're co- commenting on the grill work on our house in on Jamaica the, on, and, say, on our, on our house? and say that that's not our style of grill. Who cares? <laughs> Okay. I don't know. It's like them telling us uh, when you cook oxtail, I know so oxtail for cook because you don't yeah, cook it in Jamaica yeah. way. Mm. Yeah. You see, remember somebody made the point that they still break into the grill house. Maybe they they don't know how to break into your style of grill yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wish them luck because it's like a damn Armageddon. I wish them luck. I hope they get through. Sometimes we couldn't break out. We never. <laughs> I don't think I remember ever trying to get out. We can't house. get out. Never. Never. Even as an adult, I'm not playing around with that house. I'm playing Never. around either. Mm-mm. When you're when in, you're in. Out, <laughs> when you're out, you are out. When you're out, you're out. So, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> so, so, the other thing about the grills. Uh-huh. Do y'all have a fail safe to get out, though? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't have to yeah, tell me. Yeah. I'm just asking yeah. the question. Because yeah. I, I think about you know, fires and things like that. Oh yeah. Um, so <laughs> don't tell us. No, 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 I'm not want, telling I don't you. Want them I'm, to get into your mama's no. house. Oh no, no, no. Good well, they'd have to bypass twenty four hour security first, so <laughs> and the dogs. And the and the dogs. And the dogs. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I wish them luck. No, I was looking for um okay, I'm a, I'm gonna put the picture up there so you get an idea of what I'm talking about. If you, if you do a PTR, <laughs> you will see it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, you... you. Moments, look at that, right? <laughs> you guys could afford to put all the security and stuff in place. Imagine how much more expensive the average person house has to be just to be secured. Mm-hmm. So that money that can be placed to do other things in it has to be worrying about making sure that the house is secure. Three and four levels of security. It's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. So, and then if you're poor, you know, you can't do that. So you're, you're, you're just exposed to everything. So I have to agree with you, Donald, that we must recognize the decline. And what we have to do is hope for more of a decline. 
and that it continues it goes back to the days when people didn't have to have grills on their windows when people could sleep with their windows open and doors and doors open yes do i believe it's possible yes but we have to change the way we think and the way we behave and we have to also ensure that there are opportunities if there is no opportunity for you folks know how to create opportunities many people have created their own opportunities they did not just sit there with their hands on their jaws. They became creative. They looked around them and say, hey, what do I have that I can use? Rome wasn't built in a day. So continue to do the so work. Go ahead, Donald. The government has to create the catalyst for, for that creativity. You know, and we have to continue, whether it's on the media or wherever, pushing the narrative of self-sufficiency and people trying to have this themselves. But we also have to find in, uh, innovative ways of putting the stuff in the communities that will help to, to persuade people in those directions. Yeah. And the people that do it, we have to highlight them and we have to reward them mm -hmm. so that it becomes, so you get a shift in mentality. But the thing is, then it, that is counterproductive to the heart-in-hand -hand politics that we usually see yeah. in the Caribbean. If people become more self-sufficient, then they don't have to go to the politician for a handout. If they don't have to go to the politician for a handout, they could vote independently. If they vote independently, some of us politicians are not getting in power. <laughs> <laughs> and as you say that, uh, I have this story, which is up next. Um, UIC calling on police to address questionable shooting incidents. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM. Jamaica's third political party that many of us don't talk about or don't even remember exists. Um, the United Independence Congress, UIC, is calling on Commissioner of Police Major Anthony Anderson. To, let, me, let me get his title right. Major General Anthony Anderson to address the nation regarding what they deem questionable shootings. In a statement yesterday, the UIC says over the last year they have been monitoring a series of fatal encounters between citizens and JCF officers. It says the circumstances conflict with the narrative of the JCF. In one instance, the UIC says it is aware of the reported mistaken shooting of two unarmed security guards in Negril whilst on duty and the fatal wounding of a 64-year-old farmer in St. James with a firearm reportedly being recovered. The party says there is also an evolving situation in Hannibal where a reportedly intoxicated young man was killed after allegedly shooting a police officer. However, no firearm was recovered. The UIC is demanding that the Commissioner of Police, Major General Anthony Anderson, addresses the nation on what they have described as questionable fatal shootings. The group says it is important that the nation be apprised of any investigation into these incidents and if, excuse me, and if there is no investigation, detail why that is so. The UIC says the silence of the commissioner and the JCF top brass will be interpreted by the affected families as the police protecting the force's image at the cost of poor people's lives.
who remembers about the UIC? <laughs> the U United Independence Congress. Um, the the founder. Hold on, I have to go to Google and pull it, plug it in. So the founder, I don't think, <clears throat> is too welcomed because he is or he was mentioning something along the lines of his party or him being the ruling leader forever and ever amen uh, his name is joseph l patterson yeah um <laughs> so well let's see if they will listen to him um let me see. He says, as of December 2021, they had three vice presidents, 14 parish managers, 63 MP candidates, 228 councillor candidates. Yeah. Hmm. I think that part, people would have been willing to listen, I believe. But it, when you get to the part about... Um, you ruling forever and ever amen i think that's it ah, mm -mm, mm -mm. we ain't we ain't north korea don't even try that their vision is to bring a jamaica or have a jamaica that brings out the best in all its people i can align with that their mission is to create a non-partisan constitutional republic of jamaica that truly respects the sovereignty of every citizen by protecting the life liberty and property of everyone equally with a safe, clean, and orderly free market society where all may live, earn, and retire with dignity. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, and their values, the UIC may be summed up as an individual liberty and personal responsibility as we seek to guarantee every citizen their natural right to be both free and responsible at the same time. This means equal opportunity, equal rights, and equal justice for all. Okay, that doesn't sound bad. Their key objective the key objective of the UIC is to liberate every single citizen from the divisive and oppressive colonial systems of law, regulations, and overtaxation. These have robbed our citizens of their right to freely learn, earn, and trade without government coercion, overreach, and corruption getting in the way of their progress. Okay, we can see through that. Our philosophy um, it is the natural right of every human being to be free. Therefore, the only moral justification and rightful purpose of government is the protection of your life, liberty, and property. Good governance is a system that protects our individual liberty, promotes personal responsibility, and provides all citizens a safe, clean, and orderly society. This is the sure foundation of, for a truly great and prosperous nation. Okay, we can see through that. But it's just that when he was presenting... Um, and promoting his party he's talking about being in power forever and ever ain't nobody got time for that sorry and then there were other questions i mean that his answers were not too cute but that's for another time we'll get into that but yes um continue to work on the situation in jamaica jcf um you're going to have questions, of course. It's natural. Nothing is perfect. But do not shy away from questions. Do not shy away from um, being quick, being swift to have press conferences to address any concerns that citizens may have. 
that that's my recommendation because you want to offer transparency as much as possible we know we can't know the ins and outs of every single thing um for the sake of not jeopardizing how missions are carried out but for the most part i want to say be as transparent as you can answer questions as much as you can as well next up courtesy of the jamaica observer man shot while picking up child from metabook prep a man was shot at the entrance of the Meadowbrook Prep School in St. Andrew on Tuesday afternoon. Reports are that at about 3 p.m., the man arrived at the entrance of the school on a motorcycle to pick up a student when he was attacked by gunmen traveling in a motor vehicle. He was shot multiple times and was rushed to hospital in critical condition. The gunmen escaped. The incident has left students, parents, and staff of the institution traumatized more details to come so we're gonna keep it this is such a shame you're taking it to the gates of a school the gates of a school children this uh murder for hire is out of control if you ask me so that puts us at what now a farmer has been robbed of over 20 goats and cash in St. Anne. I wonder who thief the people them go. But anyway, let me read the story. Courtesy of JamaicaObserver.com. I hope it's not them Daniel, <laughs> <laughs> behave yourself. No, these are some pretty brown goats. These these goats are pretty, really pretty. Uh, well, the picture that they put up. Say, <laughs> a farmer of Prickly Pole in Claremont, St. Anne, has been charged with robbery with aggravation and wounding with intent in connection with an incident in the community on Sunday, February 12. He is 28-year-old Floyd Johnson. Reports are that Johnson was among a group of men who forced open the door to another farmer's dwelling and attacked him with machetes and stones. The man attempted to flee from his attackers but was chased and chopped. He was then tied, robbed of cash, farming appliances and 23 goats. The man managed to free himself and was assisted by residents to seek medical treatment. Johnson was subsequently arrested and charged. So... You see if the man goes, you really think people would have seen you with 20 goats and be able to recognize the people them go one thing we don't play about goat. They'll make chop you up for teeth them go to Jamaica. 20, you don't even say make you take two? All are 20. And you're a farmer just like this other man that you have stolen from. You not even say make me take two. You take 20. And you thought you'd be able to get away with it? That's the part that bothers me when it comes to some people that commit crimes. Like, were you not thinking prior to your decision to do something wrong? Because, I mean, for the most part, people get caught. You get found out, you get caught. So what's the point? I, I don't get it. Maybe out of order can help me with that. Out of order, are you there? <laughs> hey, good morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Go ahead, out of order. I've got go. nothing for him. <laughs> oh boy. But, but most of them do believe that it, it's um, it's a grand scheme, and they're going to get away with it. Though you'd be surprised. 
Wow. Okay. The mindset of a criminal. Something is missing. Something is <laughs> synapse are not synapsing in the right place or the right order. Something is like really missing. <sighs> Look at Trump. <laughs> that is too. Most of them are uh, very narcissistic people. And, and you'd be surprised some of them are, are highly intelligent. The ones that commit the, the better crimes are highly intelligent people. But there's something is missing from that right and wrong. And I'm going to get caught portion of the brain. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Jamaica looking for closer relationship with Africa. Story courtesy of Jamaica Observer. Jamaica's tourism minister, Edmund Bartlett. Boy, let me tell you something. It looks as though he's the only one who has been working really hard. But let me not do that. Let, let me be nice about it. Jamaica's tourism minister, Edmund Bartlett, has called for closer relationships between Africa and the Caribbean, saying it would provide a wonderful opportunity for a reverse diaspora experience. Speaking at the African Tourism Investment Summit, which is a part of Africa Travel Week, Bartlett said that, he believes that we from the new world can give back to Africa based on our expertise and our investment resources in building the tourism that the Caribbean has become very famous and proficient in delivering. He went on to add, this is our chance to give back to Africa and tourism can be the vehicle. The discussion included uh, presentations from government ministers, finance executives, and administrators from South Africa, Botswana, Spain, and Sierra Leone. The African market of 1.3 billion people is being eyed as the next big source market for tourists to Jamaica. As the industry seeks to diversify beyond traditional markets in North America and Europe, in furtherance of this objective, exploratory talks have been held with representatives of Ethiopian Airlines, Kenya Airways, and Rwanda Air concerning regular air service between Africa and Jamaica. This will not only open up the African market to the Caribbean, but also Jamaica will become the gateway by which persons in North America, Latin America, and the Caribbean may travel to the African continent. There has also been extensive cooperation between Jamaica and Africa in the era of tourism resilience. In February, Jamaica hosted an African-Caribbean Tourism Summit as part of the historic Global Tourism Resilience Conference in Kingston. Uh, great, 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 great move. I will say this, though, as much as I'm Jamaican and I'm brand Jamaican and I'm all about pushing Jamaica forward, I would have loved if this was a CARICOM trip, meaning more um, leaders or more representatives from other countries in the Caribbean um, moving as one to um, boost the, the region. If I'm making sense, that's what my preference would have been to see. Mark you, I don't know if each nation is operating individually, which I think shouldn't be the case. You know, we should work together to grow together. There's more than enough um, food on the table. Everybody can chop. Go right ahead. If the European Union negotiate deals together, 
what is the Caribbean? Mm-hmm. I don't understand why we don't get that idea of this small island thing and big island thing out of our head. We are all small. Exactly. But we could be much bigger together. Mm-hmm. But you see, some people prefer to be the head of nothing <laughs> than to be in the tail of something. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Like the, the Caribbean as a region has to be doing this, these negotiations. We have to start to negotiate for the region. It is, it is much better. It gives us a stronger position. And we all benefit much more. You know, and that is when we will the common there have to be common policies in the Caribbean. There has to be common policies that that, that is affecting every island that we have to make together. That there have to be funds that we all have to contribute in to con- to, to take care of these issues. Mm-hmm. We have to fix the travel and maritime issues. We have to fix air travel. There is a lot that needs to be done. That would boost the economy of every Caribbean island. So we have to stop thinking in a box, get rid of all the box, and work together. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. That's what we need to do. Um, next up, Project Star gives job training. I'm frozen, folks. Everything just froze up on me. Okay, bear with me one second while this decides to load up. Everything is frozen here. <laughs> okay, finally, Project Star gives jobs training to 50 residents of underserved communities. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio. Nearly 50 people from underserved communities in Kingston have been exposed to training under the Social Transformation and Renewal Initiative, also known as Project STAR. Project STAR is designed to outfit people with skills that will allow them to get and retain a job. Project Director Safri Brown says several persons from the first phase of the program are already employed. And that is what we want to hear. I do have a sound bite for that. Let me go ahead and grab it for you. In East Downtown Kingston, our first cohort of trainees were just 21. And we have placed 19 of the 21 already into quality jobs, which is really exciting. And we're really proud of that. We're really proud of the work that they've done. We've just finished training our second cohort in East Downtown at 27. So we now move into job placement. So overall, we've trained 48. We're now looking to place our ne- uh, the, the, the 27 who've just finished. And then by the end of April, we'll be moving into our first cohort in Savannah, Lamar. Ms. Brown says the target each year is to have 150 people trained and placed into employment from each of the affected communities. She says the initiative has been inclusive, noting that the trainees are from different demographics. One of the other things is that, you know, when we were initially doing the, the, uh, the surveying of, in East Downtown of those who were interested in jobs, I found some older ladies who, thought, who, who were very surprised that we were interested in them as well. And they said, no, well, normally these programs are just for youth. You know, but the truth is that people in their 40s and 50s and communities have a lot to offer in terms of being supervisors to com- in companies. They have a lot more wisdom, a lot, you know, clarity and so on. So we've been able to get quite a few of our participants are older and all our older participants thus far have been placed in jobs um, and so we're really excited that this really is a whole of community anybody who's, who's working in are able to participate 
That was Safri Brown, Project Director. She was providing an update on the quarterly report of Project Star since its launch in July last year. Project Star uh, was created by the Private Sector Organization of Jamaica, PSOJ, in partnership with the Jamaica Constabulary Force. The $2 billion project has to date benefited people in tough communities in Kingston and Savannah Lamar, Westmoreland. The Crime Fighting and Social Intervention Initiative will be heading next to Maypen in Clarendon with results to be assessed over a five-year period. And I am going to applaud them for this. We need more initiatives like these. It's a follow-through. We're training them and then we're seeing to it that they're put in positions that they have trained for and they are able to have a different outcome they're able to provide for themselves when one can do for themselves there is some sense of pride and dignity that goes along with it sense of worth that is also included so i do applaud the private sector organization of jamaica and the jcf for embarking on this and i would invite others and i know there are some who are doing it in their own small way but i would definitely implore and encourage others to get on board with these initiatives we talk about crime we talk about our young people not having opportunities we talk about the the lack of finances to be for everyone to be able to afford university well let us look at it this way degree is not everything skills once you have that training it will not depart from you and you are able to make a very good living and take care of yourselves comfortably when you have skills and then place them in positions and that is how we change the the tough communities that's how we do it. Are we going to lose a few people through the cracks? Of course, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. But at least in the, at the end, we can say that we have more good, more advancing, more doing well than we have those who are just not interested at all. But it has to be something you want to do too. We can't force you to drink. We can bring you to the water, but we can't force you to drink. All right. Next up, NHT launches external financing mortgage program. Story also courtesy of Nationwide Radio. The National Housing Trust, NHT, has launched their new external financing mortgage program, which will expand the list of mortgage institutions through which contributors can access loans. The list will now include credit unions along with commercial banks. The program, which forms part of a series of strategic changes being undertaken by the trust, is set to replace the current joint finance mortgage program on a phased basis. To date, two institutions, the National Commercial Bank and COK, Sodality Cooperative Credit Union. Oh, they changed the name. It used to be Credit Union um, of Kingston. Okay, COK Sodality Cooperative Credit Union have signed on to the program. Under phase one of the program, contributors who wish to access their NHT benefits from financial institutions will be able to receive referral letters up to April 30. 
It says under phase two of the program, contributors earning above $30,000 weekly will be required to access full loans from partnering financial institutions. Jamaica Observer is reporting the next story. Chop the line. Uh, out of Orange Bay, Hannibal. About 200 students who used to attend classes at Rhodes Hall High School in Hannibal have not been back in the aftermath of the raging COVID-19 pandemic. Some have told their friends they prefer to chat the line, a.k.a. scamming. The police says others have joined gangs. On Tuesday, some of their classmates marched through the streets of Orange Bay in an attempt to encourage their pairs to return to school. An emotional Amish colonial ninth grader was among those who joined the march. She is worried about the long-term impact of choosing a life of crime over an education. We are the future, and when students are not going to school, it makes us think bad about the future because what will we become? She gathered herself and tried again. The violence and the violence rate will be up because they don't have any jobs. They don't have any family. They don't have any money. So they will turn to crime and Jamaica will be a worse place. That's the teenager who travels from St. James every day to study in the nearby parish. She finds it hard to understand why anyone would not want to go to school. And so she asked some of those who have dropped out. Their response they're saying that they don't have the money or that they just can't bother. And some are saying flat out that they're going to chop the line. Scamming with its nexus in schemes that fleece elderly foreigners by tricking them into thinking they have won prizes has had Jamaica in a vice-like grip for years. It appears to have become even more prevalent since the COVID-19 pandemic when many businesses laid off staff and schools moved classes online, leaving many adults and students with extra time on their hands. During a recent Jamaica Observer Monday exchange, Diane McIntosh, executive director of the Citizen Security Sec Secretariat, said scamming has become widespread. It's around us. It's everywhere. Organizers and participants of Tuesday's march held under the theme Fully Dance and Ofiwe Culture, Stay in School, are hoping to provide a new direction for the students who have lost their way. And I have to applaud these young folks for um, embarking on this effort. They are the future and they recognize that the future looks dim because of the decisions and the choices that their parents are making. And I'm glad they got support to be able to um, put this effort together. For those who can't, who, whose reasons for not going back to school is because they can't afford it, can we appeal to corporations who are boasting huge profits to see how we can help? Because you have people who want to go, but they just don't have the means. Their parents or grandparents or their guardians cannot afford it. They probably can afford the books, but they can't afford the uniform. They can afford the uniform, but they probably can't afford the shoes. They can afford the shoes, but they can't afford the bag. 
or them can afford the uniform, the bag, the book, the shoes, but them can't afford the school fees. Can we do something, corporations and those who are able, who can afford to do so, can we do something to help those who are desirous of returning to school but just can't afford to do so? I'm calling on those persons if you're listening or if you know if someone is listening who knows anyone or knows an organization that is able to step in. Let us help those who want to do good. For those who saying them just can't bother, we need to come up with some initiative, some campaigning needs to be done. To make school attractive, could it be? And let's let's be fair. I'm not sure what the style of um, teaching is now, but when I was growing up, it was kind of boring. I'm not gonna lie. You had to push yourself to stay involved because everything is regurgitation. If you ask me, it's by the book. It's what the book says. I don't think we were given enough room to use our creativity. That's my opinion, okay? And if that is still what's going on today, we need to change the way we're teaching. With the advancement of technology, and now we have chat, G, what you call it, chat GPT or whatever the name is, and AI tech, we have to make these things included because that's the way the world is going. Are we making the classroom a fun environment where people can't wait to get to school the next day. How are we making it attractive? How are we making them want to learn? Even if after high school, they can't afford to go on to college or that is not a part of their plan anyway, but at least they leave high school well-educated, feeling included because they are able to use their creativity and look beyond just the books and the boxes that you know are provided just just my thoughts i don't know but we have to catch them and then now we have the group who just want to take up a life of crime you're gonna have those but that should not be the majority but we still need to find a way to show them that that is not the best choice. The quick money, the fast money, easy come, easy go, risking your life, live today, die tomorrow, does not make sense. Leaving a financial burden on your families because now something happened to you, they have to scramble for finding funeral money. Think of others your family members especially. You might look at it that you're putting food on the table for today, but what about tomorrow? And the sad part is most people who scam only scam for floss, meaning scam to show off, to buy designer. Not like them scamming for invest in something so them can get away from the life of scamming. Them scam for breath, in other words, in Jamaican terms. So we need to do something to appeal to them as well. All right. So there, there needs to be work. Work needs to be done. Ministry of Education, along with teachers, along with students. You cannot exclude the students and parents. You all need to come together and see how we can change 
the outcome. Again, I'm going to reiterate, for persons who know people who can afford to help these children who want to go to school but just their families can't afford to send them, please let's see how we can help them. For those who have them, the been tied to them just can't bother, let's have a campaign where we can reach them and make school attractive for them. And then for those who are opting for a life of crime, let us see if we can have another campaign to show them the outcomes and that that is not the choice they should be making. All right? So get busy working together, folks. One person alone can solve it, right? One, one group of people alone can solve it, work together. And because these young people have taken to the streets as a way to try to get the message out there, let us support them. Our future is in the youth. All right, I think I've spoken enough. Egyptian upbeat as wine slow gets recognition in the UK. And yes, folks, it's the wine slow we are all familiar with. Wine slow for me, tick tock for me, baby, jump it like that. I want you move slow to me, cautiously, baby, I love it like that. Cause when you dress up in your two piece and your short shorts, baby, you really look good. I need to ask you what you use in your skin, baby, tell me how your skin so smooth. Cause when you wine slow for me, you tick tock on me, baby, I love it like that. I want you move on to me, move cautiously, baby, sometimes. When singer Egyptian recorded the song Wine Slow in 2011 for producer Tariq Russian Johnston, little did he know that some 12 years later it would have got recognition in the United Kingdom. On Friday, Wine Slow was certified silver by the British Phonographic Industry, BPI, for sales exceeding 200,000 units. In an interview with the Jamaica Observer on Friday, Egyptian said the accolade was unexpected. Wine Slow was one of two songs that I recorded for Russian on the Rio Rhythm, and Wine Slow was the one that was released. It's a good vibe to hear when you hear, or it's a good vibes when you hear that your song has been certified in any country. You put in the work and eventually you get good results. The Real Rhythm, released by Russian's Head Concussion Records, also featured the songs Baby Girl by Erop and Kido, Out of My Head by Haya Slice, Leaving You Lonely by Jamil Galdem, Song by Conscience, Not Trust Them by Voicemail, and Warn Him by Vibes Cartel. Said Egyptian, the collaboration with Russian came about naturally. We were at the studio holding a vibes, which is a normal thing for us, and the collaboration linked up right away. Egyptian is gearing up for the release of his fifth studio album for VP Records titled Egyptian Love. Gal Bounce and Say You Willing To are the first singles that will be released. Egyptian's 2010 hit Hold You was certified platinum in the United Kingdom for sales exceeding 600,000 units. It was also certified gold in the United States by the Recording Industry Association of America. And 
quick reminder, he won the Mobile Award for Best Reggae Act in 2010 and the Soul Train Music Award for Best Reggae Artist also in 2010. So, congratulations. Good job. So, folks, um, you may release your song today, may not take off tomorrow, but never you give up hope. You may not get the recognition you want the next week, but never let go of your hope. Uh, I think TikTok has revived some songs too. Many artists are grateful for TikTok because songs that they recorded 10, 20, even 30 years ago became viral on TikTok as content creators um, used their music and then, of course, what does that allow? Well, for you know, what does that make way for? People now go on their various streaming platforms to find the music, find out more about these artists. One um, popular example is this one. And here's another one. This is another one that went viral, blew up because of TikTok. So never give up, my budding future artists. So if you're already in the business, never give up. That's my message. Okay, so moving. Well, that one wraps up our stories out of the Caribbean corner. We're going to take a quick music break. And when we return, we have stories out of Latin America and the international scene. Here's a little more from uh, Jennifer Hudson. She is our hashtag WCW artist for today. We celebrate women. Dangerous. I do it for the thrill, even if it kills. 
Thank you to everyone logged on and listening on the Quality Music Zone. Keep it logged on to www.qmzradio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Are you a man who loves and cherishes and cares for me? Is that you? Is that you? Is that you? Are you a God in a prison? Maximum security. Is that you? Is that you? Is that you? Do we stay home all the time? Cause you want me to yourself. Is that you? Is that you? Is that you? Or am I locked away? Out of fear that I find someone else. Is that you? Is that you? Yeah. Thank you to everyone listening on JanoRadio.com. Download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go. In those moments just before you sleep, I know you remember. Baby, we don't even have to scream All you hear, same as you What you feel, feel it too All you gotta do is read Nothing you ever say That could drive me away I'm inside you I'm inside you So if you make a mistake Let me carry you away I'm beside you I'm beside I know you remember me in those moments just before you sleep. I know you remember me. Swear to me the memories and Big thank you to everyone on Clubhouse with me. After all, this is where the conversation happens. Without your voice, there is no coughing till you are truly appreciated. Body and soul, I'm 
It is hashtag WCW. We celebrate women every Wednesday. And today we are celebrating the beautiful Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Cage Hudson, also known by her nickname J-Hud, is an American singer-songwriter, actress, and talk show host, as well as a producer. Throughout her, her career, she has received various accolades for her works in recorded music, film, television, and theater. Born September 12, 1981, in Chicago, Illinois. Love you, I do. Mm, I love you. Never ever felt quite like this. Good about myself from my very first kiss. Gonna squeeze in one more after this, and then we get back to our stories. Title track, Love You, I Do. And here she is again singing Nature Boy. There was a boy, a very strange enchanted boy. They say he wandered very far, very far over land and sea. A little shy, sad about. Was he? And then one day, a magic day, he passed my way. And while we spoke of many things, fools and kings, this he said to me: the greatest thing ever. Just to love, be loved in return. Thank you once again to everyone listening online, QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com. And thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. It is quarter before the top of the hour. Is that right? That right way to say it? <laughs> I'm lost in the trance of the song right now, Nature Boy, Jennifer Hudson. 
15 minutes before the top of the hour, we're going to go ahead and get back to business. We're starting off in the Latin American corner. U.S. Customs agents seize drugs, nab suspects in the Caribbean Sea. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. The United States Customs and Border Protection CBP agency says law enforcement agencies have intercepted a vessel in the Caribbean Sea transporting 3,051 pounds of cocaine, arresting three non-citizens from Venezuela. CBP said the arrests and seizures took place near Palmas de Mar off Puerto Rico's eastern coast and that the estimated value of the contraband is approximately U.S. $32 million. It said the authorities had located a lights-out vessel traversing at high speed and with assistance from a U.S. Coast Guard aircraft located the vessel 10 miles off the coast of Humacao. I can't pronounce this. I'm not even going to try let's say 10 miles off the coast of Puerto Rico. Agents intercepted a Yola-type vessel near the Palmas del Mar Resort. On board, agents arrested three men who claimed to be Venezuelan nationals and seized 40 bales of suspected contraband. They also added that on March 30, agents intercepted a vessel near Mona Island off Puerto Rico with six bales of cocaine and arrested two men from the Dominican Republic. Puerto Rico seems to be a hot spot for being used as a transshipment point. They've had they've had a lot of interceptions off the coast of Puerto Rico. I want to say in the last six months. Oh boy. Well, that's um some cocaine off the streets, and I said some. I'm not saying all of it. Mm, keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. On the international scene, United Nations says its female staffers have been banned from working in Afghanistan. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera. The Taliban have issued an order to ban Afghan women employees of the United Nations staff from working throughout Afghanistan, according to a UN spokesman. Stephanie Jujarik said this was the latest in a disturbing trend undermining the ability of aid organizations to work in Afghanistan, where some 23 million people, more than half the country's population, need help. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez would view any ban on Afghan women working for the United Nations in their country as unacceptable and, frankly, inconceivable. Spokespeople for the Taliban administration and the Afghan Information Ministry did not immediately reply to requests for comment from the Reuters news agency. Two UN sources told Reuters that concerns about the enforcement of the ban had prompted the United Nations to ask all staff not to come to the office for 48 hours. The United Kingdom fines TikTok $15.9 million over misuse of children's data. Watchdog says TikTok failed to get consent from parents to process the data as required by the United Kingdom's data protection laws. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera. The United Kingdom's privacy watchdog hit TikTok with a multi-million dollar penalty for misusing children's data and violating other protections for young users' personal information. The Information Commissioner's Office said on Tuesday that it issued a fine of 12.7 million British pounds, the equivalent 15.9 million US, to the short video sharing app 
which is wildly popular with young people. It is the latest example of tighter security that TikTok and its parent Chinese technology company ByteDance are facing in the West, where governments are increasingly concerned about risks that the app poses to data privacy and cybersecurity. The British watchdog, which was investigating data breaches between May 2018 and July 2020, said TikTok allowed as many as 1.4 million children in the United Kingdom under the age of 13 to use the app in 2020, despite the platform's own rules prohibiting children that young from setting up accounts. TikTok did not adequately identify and remove children under 13 from the platform, the watchdog said. And even though it knew younger children were using the app, TikTok failed to get consent from their parents to process their data. And that is required by the UK's Data Protection Laws Agency. I have a question. Could it? Could there be a possibility that the children, because children be slick, I'm going to put my hand up. I was a child once. I wasn't born big. We, been, you know, we all go and try things. Could it be a possibility that these children know their parents' date of birth and they were able to pretend or make up a date of birth, which is over a certain age, and just go ahead and open an account? How, how does TikTok control that? How does any social media platform control that? If my child is using my cell phone, many children are around their parents and they're using their parents' cell phones or um, tablets or whatever. Can't they set it up themselves and pretend to be their parents? Is that far-fetched? I don't think so. And if that is a situation, and I'm not saying that is it the case in every one of these cases of the 1.4 million children in the UK, but what if that's how it happened? How do we control that? What's the remedy to that? Okay, don't use your parents' um, devices. Well, I can still give you a device, which is on my plan, which I'm paying for. So technically, it is still my phone. And you can still go and do it anyway. How do we control that? I understand you're in favor of TikTok. Like, <laughs> I mean, no, I'm, I'm because I'm just wanted to, to to be even even killed. Yeah, it's still a it's still a possession or a process that TikTok and other social media platforms have to do. So it's not even if the child lies. I think it's something about seeing the videos and processing them. They they're supposed to get permission, so they can't just break the rule because the children are breaking the rule. So I mean, I'm not. To be clear, I'm not opposed to them either, but right. don't don't be one sided. No, sorry, if it's, sorry if I say it that way, but you know, no, no, it's okay. TikTok has to do their they have to do a part of their job too. Even, forget all the other stuff going on with them. They have to also do their position. They can you can see a minor, mm-hmm. you can see a minor on your platform, but I mean, obviously, millions and millions of people are making videos. You can't watch every single one, right? But they have to be able to have staff to manage some of that. And but I, that's just I my agree. opinion. I agree with you, Sonette. I totally agree. Um, yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you that some responsibility 
they have to bear some of it. I'm just, you know what? I have never set up a minor account. I wonder if I should set up an account as a minor to see what the questions are. That's a good idea. Yeah. Pretend you're 13 and try to set an account because what's the age limit is 15, right? Or I don't know. I I'm not sure. Know. Yeah. But that's a good idea to test it out and see what should happen. Um, oh, mm. the, the company may not be doing what they should, what they were doing, and maybe they are, and they they're missing millions of children. Yeah, they could be doing some things. Like we know now, the rule about I think is it Sweden, you can't post an edited video without marking video has been edited. Right. How many people are sneaking those through? Facts. Right. So so everybody's do is 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 um, culpable for some of the work. Hmm. Yeah, and that's it. I'm done. Yeah, I, I, because in the UK, children under 13, what is it? Uh, TikTok allowed as many as 1.4 million children in the UK under age 13 to use the app in 2020. All right, my other question. So the British watchdog was investigating the data breaches between May 2018 and July 2020. Why did they allow it to go on for two years plus? Why wasn't there something said six months after let us say did they really need two years to gather this much data to let it get to this extreme before embarking on some sort of action against tiktok why are we waiting if you find out and, and i'm just trying to think as a parent if i find out my child is doing something am i going to allow them to continue doing it or do i um put a spoke in their wheel right away the minute i find out what's i'm trying to understand the difference i don't know how it works with watchdogs and tech companies and if there is a process or you have to have a certain amount of time pass before you can do anything about it i don't know but i'm just thinking as a parent am i waiting before i i do something about it when it comes to my child the way i think about it is um you know everything happens at the end of the quarter fine, this is longer than eight quarters, four quarters, but, or two, or wait, eight, because it's two years, you said. Two years, They yeah. have to, um, they've got to re research, and maybe they were waiting for TikTok to say, oh, flag this one, and flag that one, and oh, TikTok's not doing their job, so now we can find them. Mm. So I, that's that's how I'm looking at it. Okay. That's just just saying. Makes sense. And good morning, how about They normally them? give them, <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah, hello. Go they ahead, normally Jake. give them time, though, they normally... Yeah, as Sonny said about flagging, they normally give them time to flag stuff because sometimes um, even when you flag stuff, it, it, it takes a while for them to, to change stuff and take down stuff. It could take them like a month or so. So they give them time. And um, if they're not doing it within that time, then it's appropriate to go after them. Mm. So they, they need that time space because say they're watching them for 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 six months and then all of a sudden everything that they want changes it just changed you know because remember they, it, it's a big company so even when there is like an error or something that they miss it take them time to find that they missed this and then it take them time to fix it it's all development so you know it's not just easy one two just take it down and put it okay gotcha 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 all right, thank you, Sonette, and thank you, Dre. So, family found. Oh, go ahead, go right ahead, James. Go ahead. Yeah, mo morning, everyone. Good morning. Yeah, I I'm thinking that it 
it, it looks a bit suspicious that um, all of a sudden um, Canada, US and England um, have major issues with TikTok. So I don't know if it's... Australia like, to James. Australia, yeah. yeah. So, I, so I don't know if it's a coordinated um, kind of attack to, to, to bring down the company, but it just look... Yeah, because it, it's, it's okay... If, you understand if mm -hmm. okay it's America alone, but Canada, the government, um banned their 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 people from using it too and you know, sooner or later going after um citizens, um warning citizens too. So yeah, it just looks suspicious. Yeah, because I saw a report yesterday, James, where Australia has banned it from government devices. So yeah, but I I have to agree with Sonette. There has to be some responsibility on the part. You do as much as you can. Think of every possible thing that you would do if you were a child to try to break into some system. Or better yet, how about you get a couple of your kids, give it to them, and see everything that they do. Observe them. And then you know what you need to do. Because kids are creative beings. Go ahead, yeah, James. Yeah, moment. What if some what if some of the 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 kids account are not really kids? That too? Because because you remember this program um um few years ago, How to Catch a Predator? Yes. When they have like, you know, undercover cops, FBI agents um young women posing as as teenagers to catch um sex predators so you never know <laughs> never know ah <laughs> oh boy anything well, is the lieutenant should give them the lieutenant should give them um approval on the tiktok just check the box says yes i approve my 13 year old to have access to, to use the platform it's a law in the country yeah 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 agree all right, time for stories out of North America. Family found dead trying to reach the U.S. Faced removal from Canada. Parents and two children found dead in Rival near U.S.-Canada border were set to be deported, a lawyer tells the Canadian media. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera. A family of four found dead trying to reach the United States by boat from Canada last week had been told they would be deported to their native Romania, according to Canadian media outlets. Florin and Christina Lordash and their two young children, aged two and one, were among eight people found dead in the St. Lawrence River near the U.S.-Canada border on Thursday and Friday. Police in the Mohawk community, whose lands stretch into the Canadian provinces of Quebec and Ontario and the U.S. state of New York, said Florin had two Canadian passports belonging to the children in his possession. Lawyer in a lawyer in Toronto told the National Post newspaper that the Roma family arrived in Canada in 2018 and had submitted a refugee claim that was denied. When subsequent immigration appeals were also exhausted, Canadian immigration officials told the family they needed to present themselves to Toronto Pearson International Airport for deportation last Friday. 
they did not tell me they were doing this, the lawyer told the Canadian newspaper, about their decision to try to irregularly cross into the U.S. I would have obviously discouraged them from doing something like this, but they were so desperate to not have their young children taken back to the misery that the Roma of Romania live under in terms of housing, no schooling, no running water, police indifference and cruelty. They were so desperate that they took it upon themselves and to undertake this really risky adventure. That is so sad indeed. Entire family gone. It was a couple months ago we had the story about the ones that froze to death in the vehicle. Um, the Indian family, if I'm not mistaken, coming across, was it, were they leaving the U.S. to Canada or Canada to the U.S.? I can't remember. But, yeah. Yeah, this this story, this is like, I saw it yesterday, like it's 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 heartbreaking, it's hurtful, and it's just, it's just stupid, you know, because um, we, we, we let in thousands of people from Ukraine, you know, this family has been here before um, the, the war in Ukraine. We have let in thousands of Ukrainians, um, give them $3,000 per person per month, um, per family member. And, and, and the kids get something like five, between five or $700. Um, the government, the, the government of Canada, since the pandemic said that they're opening space. I don't remember how much millions of people they're going to allow in the country because they they want to grow the population. So they have for, for for decades they have this program called Skill Skill Workers Program where they try and get um the brightest minds from all over the world. So like a lot of nurses, a lot of doctors, students are coming in, even even from Russia, a lot of students are still in Canada. And to see this family here from what? Um I think it's two thousand eighteen or nineteen. The the kids were born here and you know, now they're dead trying to get to America. Like when you're going to allow, in the next five years, you're going to allow about a million people because the, the popula- they're, they're letting in people like crazy. Like almost 50,000 people a month come into Canada on the skill worker program. In, in, in um, I think it's in Calgary, in Toronto, if you go on the bus or the subway, they have ads they are begging people to come to those province because they do, they don't have workers to work. Um, they, they, they pop, they're underpopulated. They're begging you. They're paying. Like there are some province that are buying house, helping people to buy house to move there and to let this family risk their life and, and die with their kids. It's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's sad. Um, Julie put in the chat, they're most likely gypsies and they live rough. So which led me to look up gypsies because I wanted to be clear. Uh, so Roma gypsies originated in the Punjab region of northern India as a nomadic people and entered Europe between the 8th and 10th centuries. They were called gypsies because Europeans mistakenly believed they came from Egypt. This minority is made up of a distinct group or made up of distinct groups called tribes or nations. Hmm. So, interesting. So, gypsies, a gypsy is a member of a race of people 
who travel from place to place, usually in caravans rather than living in one place. Some gypsies object to this name and prefer to be called Romani. Okay. Yeah, don't say gypsy because it's, it's derogatory. Most people when you go there just get got in trouble for that. Dre, 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 Dre. Leave, leave and come again, cause you or is it me breaking up really bad? He's breaking up bad, but I heard what he said. It, the the word, the G word, is derogatory. We don't use that anymore. Oh, okay. See, I'm learning something new again. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. Okay, we heard, I heard you, Jay. Thank you, Sunet, for interpreting for for Dre. Okay, so Gypsy, do not use that word, folks. It is derogatory. They prefer to be called Romani. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's it's like the N word. Okay. No, no, I'm wondering if if that played a part in it too, because it don't ah. make any sense. It does not make it, any sense. I, like I be, think it does. To I, be I letting in, games. yeah, to be letting in so many people, like even, like the amount of people like I know, or I know someone that know like people coming from Jamaica, people coming from. I think Jamaica is one of the easiest Caribbean to come from to come to Canada, Jamaica, Barbados. Because they have a history. Um, thousands of people coming up. Like I know people coming up for school, people. I just I, I have a friend that um she came to came here for school and she applied for um permanent resident for herself and she filed for her, her husband and stuff like that. So it's an easy process. And as I said, your province that are begging people, you're going every bus, mm -hmm. every subway, there's a sign saying, please come to Calgary. We will offer you good jobs, um, housing, and um, I don't remember like they're giving like fifteen thousand. I don't remember which province it, it is that's giving like fifteen thousand for like a, a a relocation bonus or something like that, and to let these people die yeah. when they establish their family. It's sad. Yeah, it's making sense now. It is making sense now why they would be up for deportation. Um, I had clicked on something else. Oh my gosh, I, I, did I lose it? Uh, Roma, singular Rome, also called Romani. And of course, the word gypsies, as we learned right now, is considered um, derogatory. An ethnic group of traditionally in, in what is this? Somebody pronounces for me, I-T-I-N-E-R-A-N-T. Itinerant? Did I get it right? itinerant people who originated in northern india but live in modern times worldwide principally in europe so most roma speak some form of romani a language closely related to the modern indo-european languages of northern india as well as the major language of the country in which they live it is generally agreed that roma groups left india in repeated migrations and that they were in persia by the 11th century in southeastern Europe by the beginning of the 14th and in Western Europe by the 15th. By the second half of the 20th century, they had spread to every inhabited continent. Many Roma refer to themselves by one generic name, Rom, meaning man or husband. And to all non-Roma by the term Gadji, a term with a negative connotation meaning bumpkin, yokel or barbarian. Okay, all right. The group is known by a variety of names throughout Europe, including Zigina or Zigwena and Sinti in Germany, Gitans in France, 
Sigani in Hungary, Gitanos or Kalo in Spain, and Siganos in Portugal, the Middle East and North Africa, where they are known by a great variety of names, especially Dom. So we're really learning something today. Many Roma consider the name Gypsy to be derogatory. Others prefer their own ethnonym and object to being called Roma because of their migratory nature. Their absence is official in census returns and their popular classification with other nomadic groups. Estimates of the total world Roma population range from 2 million to 5 million. Okay. Hmm. Large numbers live in Romania, Bulgaria, Serbia, Montenegro, Macedonia, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Slovenia, the Czech and Slovak republics, and Hungary. Okay. Uh, yeah, did you did you read read the story of Whoopi gotten in trouble the other day for saying someone got gypped? No. What? what? Okay. Well, she she got in trouble recently, probably like three weeks ago. Let me look that up. Okay. And she said, oh, yeah, so you got gypped. And I think it was Whoopi. And she got in trouble because gypped, saying someone got gypped come from the whole gypsy gypsy thing. Okay, so, you know, I'm looking that up on Google. I was not aware. Well, why would I be aware when I don't even pay much attention? Um, yeah, and the thing that stood out to me, in the, when they're talking to the lawyer, the lawyer said that he feel like the main thing is the, their skin color. So that, that stood out to me. Yes. And that's what I was thinking, James. When I said moving from India, so you know, more than likely they're of brown complexion. And some Indians are very dark. Okay. Uh, so it's a strong pass. I was thinking the same thing. It boils down to the color of their skin. Okay. So, Dre, thank you for bringing this to my attention. Goldberg used the word gypped. Uh, G-Y-P-P-E-D, while discussing the Daniels case. It's a long-time slang term for being cheated or swindled, but is viewed as a slur by some because of its association with gypsies. And that was back on March 15, 2023. And she um, issued an apology. Wow. But if you don't know, you don't know. Isonet, if you don't know, you don't know. That one didn't know, but you know what? You learn, then you learn. Yeah. You know, but now she learned and she won't do it again. Exactly. Unlike they say, you know, some there's some words that we don't know are bad words. There's I don't want to spend the conversation, but there, there was this one real quick. Um No, educate um, us, it's, please. It's spaz. Right? I use that. You, you used you have to so don't use it anymore. Oh. And if you have friends who come from England, they're gonna tell you because spaz is a slur word in, in England. Because it means people who are neurodivergent. Oh, oh, oops! I did not know that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I pressed the wrong. I pressed my hand. Pressed but the I thing. Hear, I hear scissors. I hear scissors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that. So like, um, what's her name? Lizzo, who's not Javette's favorite, um, used it in a song. She did not realize. She got she um, immediately apologized and changed the lyrics to her song. Beyonce did the same thing, also not realizing after the Lizzo thing, somehow Beyonce missed the fact that Lizzo got piled on for it. She did the same thing as well, and she also apologized and changed the lyrics for her song. Actually, you know what? I think she killed that song completely. Wow. So just be I'm aware. Sorry. What's the word you're saying? I missed the word. 
the you can spell it. S P A Z. Spaz. We're not supposed to use that anymore. <laughs> I learned yeah. that today because it's a word I use all the time. Don't spaz out on me. Oh, please stop spazzing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't know it was a derogatory term. The world is changing and we oh, have to be Jesus. more aware of what hurts people. So. And isn't it crazy that we're, we're holding on to the N-word? That's the only <laughs> derogatory word that we can but we, but we hold on to that for real, James. But Yeah, wow. it's, it's crazy. No, because you, you know what I'm realizing too? Because, okay, so, like, it's not even just about the color, but it's some sort of, like, classism attached to it. Because, for example, like, in... In Ontario, especially in Toronto, mm -hmm. um, Indians, you know, from 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 India, especially from India, have a huge political presence in Ontario. Um, the Sikh, the Sikh community, like there are certain cities in Toronto, in Ontario, where provincial election, federal election, you need their numbers to to win. Um, and they have their own candidates that cannot lose. One of the, the opposition leader is from the, him and his brother, like they're from the Sikh community. So they have a huge political presence. So that's another thing, like for them to sit down and watch this unfold when like they could step in, wow. like politicians could, politicians could step in and, and, and say, because this, this family have two kids, husband, wife, two kids you know the only the only way they can justify this is if this guy was a part of like some huge criminal organization or whatever but yeah, yeah it's it's yeah it's sad 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 so we learned something today thank you james we learned something today um folks we're not gonna use the word and you know now that we know we do better because i did not know that using the word gypsy was not allowed that it was frowned upon i did not know that saying spaz was frowned upon either okay uh so folks find it offensive and we don't want to offend anyone just as we don't want to be offended so going forward i am going to have to make a conscious effort to remove the word spaz from my vocabulary because as i as we have just been made aware in Eng England, right, Sonette, it's uh, considered offensive. Absolutely. Okay. And the one, of one of the reasons, really quick, I know we should tie this up, but but quickly, James's comment that he's surprised the Sea community is not going to help the Romans. They're so far removed from India, James, so many centuries. Yes, that's where they originated, but this, the Roma community has been mostly over Europe. And if you see Roma people now, like actually do a visual, you're not going to see Indian. You're going to see a large mix that are not no longer ethnically Indian. They're going to look mix of white and Indian and others. They're they're not um, phenotypically Indian anymore. So I don't see why. I mean, just because they're humanitarian, sure, but I don't imagine that a large Indian population would would fight for the Roma community. Mm. But that's just. That's my opinion. Wow. Yeah, the, the, the reason the reason why I say that is because they 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 help the black community. Like there there was a I think a, some Jamaican um um Canadian um Jamaican that was supposed to be deported but never lived in Jamaica before. Mm -hmm. 
and they, they helped because the, the one of the community that um it's called Brampton in in um Ontario Brampton Ontario uh -huh. the Brampton community is made up of about 70% Indians and Jamaicans so in that in that in that area like politically they have like um Indian um representative going up against like a few Jamaican um you know that's trying to represent the area and the Indians win like a hundred percent of the time. And they have a good relationship because I have a friend that's a politician in that community mm -hmm. and he goes to all of their events like they, they have a good relationship and they come under fire sometime. They they rise up sometime because you know like occasionally their place of worship will be vandalized and a lot of times when they when they rise up they they, they talk about humanity right not just the sea community they talk about other disenfranchised community too mm -hmm. as a part of it so that's why i'm surprised yeah you know because they have the power okay well thank you so much uh senator james uh thank you i learned something today and i'm sure others have learned something many of us others listening online as well as here in the space learned something but i want to jump to the chat real quick before i move on to the next story uh julie put in the chat we can't say eskimo either it's now in inuit i-n-u-i-t i did not know eskimo was derogatory as well so we learned three words today, folks, that we need to um, remove from our vocabulary or be very mindful of, you know, when we're speaking to others. Okay, so. All right, an 11-year-old tried to start school trauma club before committing suicide due to bullying. Story courtesy of Bala Alert. A New Jersey family is mourning the loss of an 11-year-old girl who committed suicide at school following a long history of being bullied. On February 6th, the student located 6th grader Felicia Melendez on, uh, found her responsive inside a bathroom stall at the F.W. Holbein School in Mount Holly. The child immediately alerted school staff who sprang into action to save Melendez. An ambulance took her to a nearby hospital before transferring her to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Sadly, she passed away on February 8. While the manner of death was not revealed, an autopsy performed at the Philadelphia Medical Examiner's Office confirmed that she died due to suicide. The shocking death occurred just two weeks after her father, New Jersey Transit Detective Alexis Melendez, passed away from pancreatic cancer. One week before Melendez took her life, her mother, Elena, emailed the school about her daughter being bullied. The girl herself had also reached out to school officials several times to report being taunted on campus to no avail. They have swept under the rug the bullying that she and so many other children in that school have encountered, her mother said. She is now accusing the school of trying to quickly close the probe into her death without getting any proper answers. In another email to her school, the bright young student requested permission to start a trauma club to help students deal with issues troubling them. She said her daughter was trying to stand up for many children being teased 
with no relief while undergoing her own battles. The school board informed parents of Melinda's death but did not mention her by name or reveal that she passed away from relentless bullying. They added mental health resources to the notice but have not responded to multiple media requests for comment. How many times have we heard something similar? To no avail. School officials not taking reports seriously, not doing anything about it. A cry for help being ignored. How many times have we heard this? When are school officials going to revise their policies and protocols and how they deal with a cry for help? That it should all be taken seriously, not ignored to avoid these outcomes. How can we penetrate their minds and have them understand the need for a revision? Or if there is if there is nothing in place, well, they need to put something in place. Stop ignoring these children. Don't be surprised if y'all get a lawsuit. Yeah, moments. And if if you realize too, you 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 see the outrage. Oh. Outrage is different when it goes the other way. You know, when you know you hear about a, a story where a parent go onto a school bus and and and, and starts mocking a, a child or whatever for bullying um their 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 children. It's it's a different outrage. When you hear, you know, someone go to the school and just lose their mind, expletives and and turn the school upside down because the school is not doing anything, it's covered different. And to me, like, I would rather to be that parent, either I go and pull my child out of the school if I have, you know, option of, of putting them somewhere else, or go turn that school upside down and go to prison and be on the news than being on the news for, like, losing a child. It, it's ridiculous. And, and if you realize, like, a lot of the times in these situations, there are people, there are minorities that, that get bullied the most for their accent, um, you know, like, people in the LGBTQ community, like people like people with disability, you know, these are the people that get that get that get bullied in school and a lot of time I feel like governments are not doing enough. Like sometimes you have like organizations that are more powerful and they, you know, put the focus on people from their community and, and give them support. But the government needs to support everyone that's being bullied, you know? Yeah. How- how can we expect that in this day and age when one of the biggest bullies is on every single day? It's ridiculous to even think that schools don't even have a program for bullying because bullying has been in schools forever, forever, ever, ever, ever. I went through it. My daughter went through it. My sisters went through it. I don't think I don't know one person in my life that has not encountered something like this. So to even think that schools ignore it at the level that we are with technology and things is just ridiculous as well. But if we can't even get the biggest, biggest bully in the world off of TV, how is it going to be changed? Agreed. 
And bullying was a part of his campaign, remember. You're absolutely right. Thank you, James, and thank you, um, Javette. <laughs> speak of speak of the devil. <laughs> speak of the devil. Uh, <laughs> so Trump indictment. Um <laughs> he said US is going to hell. <laughs> The U.S. is going to hell, Donald Trump has said in a defiant address after pleading not guilty to falsifying business records to hide damaging information ahead of the 2016 election. The former president was charged with 34 counts of, uh, well, 34 counts in a Manhattan court in New York on Tuesday. Could happen in America. Never thought it could happen. The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it. This fake case was brought only to interfere with the upcoming 2024 election, and it should be dropped immediately. Immediately. They attacked me with an onslaught of fraudulent investigations. Russia, Russia, Russia. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Impeachment hoax number one. Impeachment hoax number two, the illegal and unconstitutional raid on Mar-a-Lago, right here. But now they have really stepped up their efforts by indicting the 45th president of the United States who received... ...75 million votes, which is more than any sitting president in the history of our country. <laughs> you, you see the narcissism that I talk about? <sighs> the 75 million votes and the, boy, this man just never give up. But did you see the picture of the officer standing behind him? Um, the way she was looking at him, she had that look like, I wish I could just slap the crap out of you. <laughs> Yeah, this the the Democrats the Democrats are, are are so like I don't know. It's like <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Like why are they doing this though? The Democrats. Like someone should they, they should the have told him like you, th you huh? think it's the Democrats doing this? I think so. Okay. No, because no, because no. it's not the Democrats, huh? James. No. What is he talking about? They've been they've been they've been have a case about him long time since he was president. Yeah, no, but, like, but it just it just like this is only going to propel him to to becoming a, the president again, because they they realize from from the entire of Trump um political career his entire career like he thrive on publicity, and no one in the history of this world have got more free publicity than this guy, so for them to do this right now when they're ramping up. Um, to go into campaigning, this is just going to rile up his support, and he's going to he's going to beat the Santos now, and he's going to end up running against Biden or whoever. I, don't be surprised if he wins. This is what this is what he needs. It's like throwing gasoline on and a little bit of fire where he have left, and just blazing him up. I don't think it's a good idea. This is, and, and it's costing this is the best time too. to do. James, James, huh? this is the best time to do it because this is the best time to do it because they need to stop him before. Because say 
um, he gets the presidency, right? They can't touch him. So everything that they need to do, they have to do it now. But and and it's really not the Democrats doing it. This case, we don't know, but something has to be done. It's 34 counts. This man do like a whole list of things and just be getting slapped on the wrist and nothing. And everyone around him go jail. He always gets away like, come on now. When, when he's going to get his punishment, something has to be done. You know, whether it's stop, yes, stop him, yes or no, we just have to see. But we can't just sit back and let him get away with everything that he's <laughs> been doing wrong. Uh, you know, just because we're scared that the publicity and no, it needs to be stopped. No, because once he's a sitting president, they can't touch him. And that's why this case and these cases linger so long because he was president. He, he ran for president because he didn't want to go to jail. That's one of Exactly. The Exactly, Dre. I'm glad you mentioned his campaign and he, he was not about the people. It was about protecting himself. That is what it was about. And let us not be let us not forget that. Well, folks, for $47 for a $47 donation, you can get a T-shirt with a fake mugshot of Donald Trump. This work and this is a breaking news alert donald trump just made a horrific and deeply disturbing threat so okay let me pause this real quick so this was sent to me this video was sent to me thank you javette this was um yesterday but of course remember yesterday we we're talking about some um threats that he was making and that i was not aware of so i'm I got my hand on the video thanks to Javed sending it over. So I'm just playing it for us to listen to. Hold on a second. Directed at the judge, Arthur Engron, who is overseeing the lawsuit brought by the New York Attorney General's office seeking at least $250 million for Donald Trump and the Trump Organization and his adult children's fraudulent valuations of their properties made to banks and to insurers and to uh, government entities to try to gain improper benefits. Let me read for you the statement that Trump made. He says, the only person who may be worse than weak on violent crime, A.G. Letitia Peekaboo James, is the judge we have on her ridiculous and highly partisan case against me and my family. His name is Arthur Engeron, and he is a vicious, biased, and mean rubber stamp for the communist takeover of the great prosperous American company that I have built over a long period of years. He was appointed by my worst enemies. Case was to go to a new judge, but he demands to keep it. I have no jury or civil rights. There's no other way to look at that statement other than a threat to the judge overseeing his case. And this is also a call to action to his followers. And Trump knows exactly what he's doing in naming the judge, how he named the judge mm -hmm. in this statement to do horrible things to Judge Arthur Engron. There's no other way around it. Now, let's just break down this statement and let's talk about the timing of the statement. First, the timing of the statement. There is a critical hearing taking place on Monday, October 31st, where the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, filed a motion for a... All right, so let me pause that one there. And then um, there's another article. Cyrus, let me see. Is this one a video as well? Yes, it's loading up. Um, give it a couple seconds here. But he, he's, he knows what he's doing. When he calls out your name, 
He's rallying the troops. Definitely rallying them. Which one of those three hurdles would you see to be the highest? Well, I think this is obviously a case of great consequence and a case that's never happened before. So uh, it's novel in and of itself. I think there's I think the, uh, if I'm guessing about the president's strategy, and it's only a guess and he'll have excellent lawyers, uh, is that they will take a run at uh, the law first, perhaps on the question of whether or not the misdemeanors can be elevated. Uh, that's probably more a question of law than a question of fact. Uh, and we'll take a run there first. It would not surprise me if the uh, attorneys representing the former president tried to move into federal court on some ancillary action, as they did with us, mm -hmm. uh, and to have that action somehow be reviewed, try to be reviewed uh, on the federal side and, and have some impact, therefore, on whether the state court could go forward. For example, uh, asking for a stay because there's going to be an election yeah. uh, in a year and a half. In this case, there, the state case shouldn't go forward. So those are, those are avenues that I think the, mm -hmm. that, that you, you'll see. Um, of course, Cohen will be attacked heavily, right. um, but the, the flip side of that, of course, is Cohen worked for Mr. Trump, right. and, you know, and, and right. they obviously had a right. working relationship. So we often find in criminal cases that the, the witnesses who are involved aren't necessarily, uh, you know, right. uh, the, they're not priests or nuns. Of course. Uh, they, they are who they are in whatever organization they have. Uh, final question is this. What's the likelihood? But I want to add something else, Chuck. No, go ahead. Well, I, 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 I've got to say that I, I was disturbed to hear the former president speak in the way he spoke about, about the district attorney Bragg and even the trial court uh, in the past week. And I think if I were his lawyer, and believe me, no one is called up to ask for my advice, uh, I would be mindful of not committing some other criminal offense like obstruction of governmental administration, which is interfering with or uh, you know, by, by threat or otherwise right. the operation of government. Uh, and uh, I think that could take what perhaps we think is not the strongest case. When you add a count like that, put it in front of a jury, it can change the jury's mind about the severity of the case that they're yeah. looking at. All right. So we also have another one. Let me pull that one up. Um, this one, uh, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg inundated with racist emails, death threats amid Trump indictment. Uh, we are everywhere and we have guns. I'm just waiting for the ad to finish running and then I will um, unmute so you can hear it. Something needs to be done about him without a doubt. Um, but of course, he's doing what he's doing because he loves the attention and the fools are falling for it over they well they have fallen for it so many times services index comes through at 51.2 now it's still positive uh, north of 50 but it's down for 55.1 the survey was 54.4 so we are significantly softer than the expectations uh, in terms of the right today, clip hold on down from 65.6 remember january okay. we did february no we they're now. talking okay that's not the right one i have to find out the clip okay but in the other article where the headline i just read the manhattan da alvin bragg inundated with racist emails um 
Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has been inundated with racist death threats amid his office's historic indictment of former President Donald Trump, the Daily News has learned. And uh, thank you for clarifying in the chat, Geely. The New York District Attorney brought the charges, not the Democrats. Let's not forget that. Included in a litany of profane, typo-laden emails sent to Bragg on the heels of Trump's Thursday indictment were overly racist and anti-Semitic insults and threats on the DA's life. Hey, George Soros, a-hole, puppet, if you want President Trump, come and get me too. They said too. They need to learn to use autocorrect or something. Remember, we are everywhere and we have guns. Trump was indicted Thursday by a Manhattan grand jury in the Stormy Daniels hush money probe, a historic legal development, marking the first criminal charges ever brought against the current or former U.S. president. He is expected to story, which we know he went through all of that. Apparently, um, people apparently unhappy about Bragg's still sealed indictment at the time against Trump targeted multiple email addresses associated with Bragg's website. The correspondence was shared exclusively with the Daily News by a senior advisor to Bragg, who asked to remain anonymous. How do we, ah, N-word, how do, I guess they're trying to ask, how do we get a N-word like you removed from office, said one email, uh, on a section of Bragg's campaign website where people can sign up to receive updates about Bragg's work. Scores of people entered fake names using racial epithets like uh, targeting the DA. The majority included despicable despicable language like BL blank 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 trash blank 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 and AIDS infested. The charges against Trump are expected to remain on the seal. Well, we know that already. Um Yeah. That's what he does. He he brings out the ignorant and the illiterate and the uneducated and those who don't have no common sense. Th- those are the people that he appeals to. They love him. Yeah. And he knows that he can get to them by saying the things that he says that will rile them up and he gets them to go do his dirty work. And that's why he remains untouched. Exactly. And after January 6th, these Republicans, you see how, how wild up the crowd and, 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 and caused um, January 6th and these Republicans still defend him. Like, you have to stop somebody like that. He's dangerous. Very dangerous. Yeah. Especially if him become president again, <laughs> we're in trouble because he, him himself is just a national security risk to the country. He, he Hands down. He's the most dangerous. Where are you, Dre? Okay. So I have another video that I found I came across on TikTok. So whilst all of the oh, but before I do that, let me say this or no, let me play this first. <laughs> let me play this one first. Bill 686, let's talk about it. Yeah, Bill 686, let's talk about it. This is the website where you can access congress.gov. The restrict bill, you can see it's been introduced. You can scroll down and go to text and read the bill. There are three things in this bill that every American needs to know about. Number one, this bill gives the federal government access to your computer and your network through PlayStation, Ring Doorbell, Facebook, anything that has over a million followers on its platform, the federal government can access that platform and look at your instant messages and all of your correspondence. Second, it makes it illegal to have a VPN. 
to the tune of $250,000 fine and a 20-year prison sentence. And third, and the scariest, this gives the President of the United States the power to appoint a communications secretary, appoint. And that secretary then goes and gathers a committee, not voted on by us, and they can have closed door meetings to decide what content we can and cannot see on platforms. I'm getting North Korea vibes. Don't take my word for it. Go and read the bill yourself. And when you read it, then I want you to contact your representative. And if you don't know who they are, that's okay. I didn't either. You can look them up on that same website I just showed you and contact them and be nice. That TikTok hearing was embarrassing. So we're not going to act like that. We're going to be nice and we're going to come armed with facts. So we're going to read the bill and we're going to tell them. If they vote for that bill, we are going to vote for their opponent in the primaries, or we may run ourselves. If they really thought we were over here just doing dances, they'd leave us alone. I found out I'm in District 12. I had a Hunger Game flashback. This is not about protection. This is about control. And remember, these people work for us. They make six figures to represent us. And I've been completely unplugged from politics, and that's my fault. That's on me. But we need to all get involved so that we can see the shadiness that's happening in Washington. The next rabbit hole I'm going down is the NRA. So um, I know I played something similar. I think it was last week. I can't remember. But a lot of times things that are blaring headlights that are like blaring headlights in the media usually serve a distraction so that other things can get done. Of course, everywhere, every channel, everything, it's Trump, 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 Trump. But let us also pay attention to other things that are going on. Let us not just hone in on Trump and what's going on with him. We also have to remain aware of other things that are happening and i agree it's not about protection it's about control it has always been about control right uh story daniels ordered to pay trump team another 120 dollars in legal fees wait moment yeah i'm sorry yeah yeah, yeah. repeat repeat the website again congress.gov okay and Thank the bill you. is s Oh my gosh, hold on, let me go back. Let me scroll back to it. The bill is 686. I don't, you know, I'm a, sometimes I'm, I don't even know what I can say and cannot say anymore. Oh my gosh. Don't worry, I'll, I, I just want to go to the site anyway. 686, the Restrict Act. Okay, thank you. You are so welcome. My pleasure. I feel like I work at um, Chick-fil-A. My pleasure. <laughs> oh, came across another video, but I, I'll play this one after Stormy Daniels. So Stormy Daniels ordered to pay Trump team another $120,000 in legal fees. Story courtesy of CNN.com. 3,000 miles away from his New York legal drama, Donald Trump secured a substantial victory in another court. The Ninth U.S. Court of Appeals sided with the former president in his effort to recoup 
Additional legal fees from adult film star Stormy Daniels, who had filed and lost a defamation suit against him. Daniels was ordered to pay Trump's attorneys just over $120,000 in legal fees. That's on top of the more than $500,000 in court-ordered payments to Trump attorneys that she's already been ordered to pay. The civil litigation is officially unrelated to Trump's arrest and charges filed against him in New York, but both involved Daniels, who was paid $130,000 in hush money during the 2016 presidential campaign to keep quiet about their affair. You know, we all know he denied the affair. Daniels had sued Trump in 2018 after he called an allegation by Daniels that an unknown man threatened her in a parking lot to keep quiet about her alleged affair with Trump, a total con job. Dismissing the lawsuit in October 2018, District Judge S. James Otero said Trump's statement was protected by the First Amendment. The court agrees with Mr. Trump's argument because the tweet in question constitutes rhetorical um, hyperbole. I got it right. Did I get that right word? I struggle with that word. Not ashamed to say so. Normally associated with politics and public discourse in the United States. The First Amendment protects this type of rhetorical statement, Otero wrote at the time. Otero later ordered Daniels to pay roughly $293,000 in legal fees. She was also ordered to pay $245,000 in fees after losing another appeal. Daniels, whose legal name is Stephanie Clifford, has asked the appeals court to knock down another award. The court declined her request. Clifford's argument that the fee request is unreasonable and excessive is not well-founded. Well, that's according to the Ninth Court, uh, Ninth Circuit filing. Trump's attorneys reasonably spent the requested 183.35 hours preparing a motion to dismiss. A reply to the opposition to the motion, two extension motions, the answering brief, and the fee application. His team stayed busy. Woo, ciao. <sighs> yes, Javet. Javet says, I feel like I'm back in school each day. It's good to break down news and give people more information. It's true. We have to. We have to break down where necessary or where we seem necessary, right? We can't just take one thing, right, Javet? So it's good that, you know, we're able to do this bring in different perspectives from different mediums listen um i'm just gonna say this i hope they get him on something damn it i'm tired of his behind he need to go sit down somewhere in a corner and keep quiet for a second i'm here just looking at his picture and i'm like oh my gosh well his mama warned us we can't say she didn't but came across this interesting video on tiktok i must say and um oh more than one this one is funny y'all have to hear this one i think this one is hilarious I mean, you know how to spend 31 million dollars a year in salary and you can't figure out how to make up a 567 dollars a month shortfall this is a budget problem you cannot solve you're not so <laughs> We're listening to Representative Katie Porter, Democrat for California, when she's talking to the CEO of Chase Bank. Hilarious, if you ask me. You know how to spend $31 million a year in salary, and you can't figure out how to make up a $567 a month 
shortfall. This is a budget problem you cannot solve. You're an expert on financial statements and you run a $2.6 trillion bank. I know you're good at numbers and you've shared lots of opinions recently about how the U.S. should budget its resources, how families should budget their resources. And so I'd like to ask for your help on a problem. I went to monster.com and I found a job in my hometown of Irvine at JP Morgan Chase. It pays $16.50 an hour. Um, and so I wondered if I could, um, if you'd indulge me, um, when you do the math on this and you do the $16.50 out at 40 hours a week for 52 weeks a year, it comes out to an income of $35,070. Now this bank teller, her name is Patricia. She has one child who's six years old. She claims the one dependent after tax. She has $29,100. We divide that by 12. She rents a one-bedroom apartment. She and her daughter sleep together in the same room. In Irvine, California, that average one-bedroom apartment is going to be $1,600. She spends $100 on utilities, take away the $1,700, and she has net $725. She's like me. She drives a 2008 minivan and has gas. $400 for car expenses and gas, net $325. The Department of Agriculture says a low-cost food budget, that is ramen noodles, a low food budget is $400. That leaves her $77 in the red. She has a Cricket cell phone, the cheapest cell phone she can get for $40. She's in the red, $117 a month. She has after-school childcare because the bank is open during normal business hours. That's $450 a month. That takes her down to negative $567 per month. My question for you, Mr. Diamond, is how should she manage this budget shortfall while she's working full-time at your bank? I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Would you recommend that she take out a J.P. Morgan Chase credit card and run a deficit? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Would you recommend that she overdraft at your bank and be charged overdraft fees? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. So I know you have a lot I'd of... I'd love to call up and have a conversation about her financial affairs and see if we can be helpful. See if you can find a way for her to live on less than the minimum that I've described? Just be helpful. Well, I appreciate your desire to be helpful, but what I'd like you to do is provide a way for families to make ends meet so that little kids who are six years old living in a one-bedroom apartment with their mother aren't going hungry at night because they're $567 short from feeding themselves, clothing them. We allow no money for clothing. We allow no money for school lunches. We allow no money for field trips, no money for medical, no money for prescription drugs, nothing. And she's short $567 already. <sighs> and that's what I've been talking about. Okay, we live in a capitalist society. That's okay. But where is the conscience? That's the problem I have. And when you have companies such as J.P. Morgan Chase who will boast about the amount of money that they're able to save or that they were able to profit, report in net profit because they use your money to make more money and hardly pay you anything in interest anyway. And then they pay their executives these ludicrous salaries while they have people struggling. That's what I'm talking about. How does that make sense? And you have to show up to work. Because if you don't show up to work, they're going to call you lazy, worthless, ambitionless. And then while you're struggling doing all of that and you're running in a deficit, they're at the same time telling you you have no ambition because you won't go back to school. You won't put yourself in debt to be qualified so you can get out of that situation, but you're going to be in debt. They're not, this, this is what I'm talking about. And listen to his response. Very nonchalant. I really don't give a damn is what he's saying. I just need her to continue figure it figure it out on her own how she's going to continue to live at $16.50. I just need her to show up at work. That's it. I don't care. I don't even know if Morgan Chase gives out um, 
what you would call it, bonuses to their tellers. I don't know. I don't know. And if they do, how significant is it? But the teller is the one. Remember a video last year where the person went into the branch very frustrated because they, they went to cash their paycheck. It happened up in um, Duluth, Georgia. I know exactly which branch it was. I used to go to that branch right by the Walmart and Home Depot and whatever the lows there, right? Um, they go in, the person went in to cash their check and then can't get their money because their account was in overdraft just trying to survive. So she jumped up on the counter and climbed over the teller station and proceeded to take the money out of the job because she said, no, I'm getting my money. Because the banks, when you get your check, if you do a transaction and the transaction hits the same time that your paycheck hits, let's say you do direct deposit, right? And your paycheck and the transaction hit, they remove your the, the credit and process the debit so that they can hit you with these charges and then they put the credit in and eat your money out. It's highway robbery. But he doesn't have an answer. And he doesn't care, folks. Don't think any CEO cares about you. Well, not in this country. They don't. They don't even know who you are anyway. So why should they care about those they don't know? Really? I want to say... At least give America back. Was too sorry, sorry, Javet. Sorry, sorry. Let me close out this thing. Sorry. Go ahead, Javet. At least give back 0.1% or 1% that does. At least give that part back. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say 100%. <laughs> oh, boy. Javet, I don't know. I don't know where we are as a people. Heartless. We don't care. And I live. Donald is always accusing me of living in what? What's the world, Donald? I call it my fairy tale world. And I'm thinking, if I own a, let's just say I own a farm. Nobody that work on the farm with me should be going home hungry. Let's say it's chickens. Anim let, let's say animals. I'm into animal husbandry. I have chickens and goats and cows and, and pigs. Every week, you should be taking a box home so that you're able to feed your family. If I'm growing vegetables, you should be taking home something. If it's produce, you should be taking home something. At no point should you be worrying about how you're going to feed your family. That's how it should be. Well, in my, my, my um, fairy tale world, that's what I think. Look after others. I don't know if you all remember the Bible story about gleaning. With, it's a story about Ruth and Naomi. 
and the rich in those days who have their fields of wheat or whatever, whatever falls outside the property line, the instruction is to leave it there so that those who are in need can pick it up and you don't interfere with them. Oh, they don't talk about that anymore? They don't preach about that anymore? They only preach about getting a private jet and luxury cars and designer clothes, that's it? Or if you want a bigger blessing, you got to give more, put more in the plate. Okay. You see, they need to go back to teaching how to be humanitarian based on the principles that have been laid out for us in the same Bible that, you know, they want to use against us. Now, now it's about you having to open your mouth and ask you know what I say, a closed mm -hmm. mouth, get fed versus seeing what's going on around you and maybe coming to you because you know that some people are prideful. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing these days, but yeah. Yep. I don't know. I really don't know. But um, we need to... I think I just, I hope you're hearing me. I think I just lost connection. I hope you're hearing me, folks. I think I just lost connection. Are you hearing me? I hear you now. I wasn't okay. sure if it was me or you. No, it, it was me. I, I lost connection a while ago. I just chipped out um, for a little bit. All right, so um, before we go to a music break... <laughs> I have to play this video. Let me tell you something. Um, I love Jamaicans. I, I, something about us. I, I don't know what God was doing when he created Jamaicans. But um, yeah. The health crisis is looming in the area due to a dust nuisance. Here are our bites of the week. I don't know Sunday the first time. Monday, I don't know nothing. The dust told me now. Idiot. Dust. The dust. Good day. Good day. Dust a kill me. Me and I am dust. Me I sleep dust. Me I drink dust. It may sit on my veranda and dust. What really I go on? The people them, I fear use their own tank water. I fear wet the road because dust. Me tell a talk. Me talk till I be fast. Jap out of my Sorry. When I came across that TikTok, I almost died. I don't care what y'all want to say. If it's not Jamaicans, it's politicians. They have me cracking up because I also came across. Let me tell you something. I came across this one and me in his terms. I'm gonna chop them down. Send for the hats up and chop out the tongue. Much obliged. It's not politics. It's politicians. I don't know which country that was. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> oh gosh, you know what? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moment. Yeah. Okay, the laughter is good, though. The laughter is yeah, good. We we have to. Oh, but on a serious note, no. I, one more. I have to play this one before I go to break. I really do have to play this one. This one is funny, but not funny at the same time. Let me hit play. Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Amadai Shakur. 
It looks like the U.S. is in a bit of trouble. Perhaps they're finally getting beat at their own game. Let's get into it. In a historic move, China has brokered peace between Iran and the Saudis. They're likely not going to be using the U.S. dollars anymore as their international reserve currency. Pay attention. And if that's the case, the U.S. dollar is going to be worth even less than it is right now. It's not even going to be backed by oil. And so pretty much nothing more than monopoly money. This move is definitely going to benefit Putin. And don't forget that he's already paid off all of Africa's debt. Uh, with that all being said, those sanctions that the U.S. tried to impose on everyone that doesn't do what they say, when they say, and how they say it, it's not going to go so well for them this time. Our economy is going to be further down the tank. This is going to be a real-life Hunger Games that we're living in. And I can't help but think that they're going to roll out that digital currency and we'll have no choice but to go ahead and comply because we'll be so desperate. People are not going to be able to afford food. Everything's going to be in complete and utter chaos. At the end of the day, the United States brought this on themselves. Pay attention. In a move that I consider to be an act of complete and utter desperation, they sent Kamala Harris over to Africa to try to mend relationships with the continent. But I don't think that's going to work. You see, no one has forgotten what they did to Saddam Hussein and Muammar Gaddafi. At the end of the day, the United States thought they were playing the game. But the only thing they were doing was playing checkers while the other nations were allying themselves against them and clearly playing chess. Iran says that U.S. interference has created regional unrest, sanctions are driving a domestic crisis, and Shamkani says this will no longer be tolerated. Now there are talks of the Saudis and Iran joining BRICS, which now consists of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Let me tell you something. If all of these people get together and decide that they want to just turn on the United States, which is exactly what it looks like, all I can say is this. They better get ready for the smoke and we better get ready to try and prepare to survive in this whole outlandish nightmare. This is going to be beyond nefarious. <sighs> so much going on. So in that clip. Mm hmm. It says that Putin has paid off all his debt to Africa. No, he paid off Africa's debt. Mm, interesting. I heard this a couple of weeks ago. I think Marlon was the one that brought it to my attention because he heard it either on the news or was on TikTok. Yeah. Paid off Africa's debt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what does that mean though I'll have to see the news clip or so but uh, when you say pay off Africa's debt what does that really mean so I haven't that's had what, the chance to dig deeper yet Donald so that's what we're going to have we have some more Africa work to do Africa is a continent so to say that um, I don't think I it's the entire continent I, I think making, it's some countries I know he's making inroads in, in Africa I know he's strongly aligned with South Africa especially and um, you know, Russia, China, they're all, right now it's a battle for the African states. <laughs> and America is losing because Africans are just despondent with them. they like, had enough. Mm -hmm. So a lot of African countries are just really not taking America too serious. Some of them cannot help it because of relationships. But people are tired. Mm -hmm. And Russia is a reasonably good alternative, especially since they have oil. So um, we have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. But if, as they say, Saudi Arabia stop using the dollar as their official oil currency, or the the world, because 
the dollar is that would give it a lot of its strength the fact that it is used to back oil mm -hmm. so the more people drift away from that the weaker the dollar will become mm -hmm. and that could be the biggest threat to america not wars and stuff like that yep but the devaluation of the currency mm -hmm. but it's still early days let's watch and see let's watch and see so for those who are wondering BRICS b-r-i-c-s it inv includes brazil russia india china and south africa and they are setting themselves up as an alternative to existing fin international financial and political forums and now remember where brazil is right in south america okay yeah Times are changing. They do say nothing lasts forever, isn't? Isn't that how the saying goes? What goes the, up must come down. The normalization of um, relationship between Saudi Arabia and Iran. This is huge. You know, this is huge because they've been fight. They've been at, at war with each other for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, the expanding of BRICS is also significant because what if they decide to to add other countries to it to mm. become a a stronger alliance mm -hmm. and you know china and russia is pushing for that because they want recognition and they're trying to rival the u.s so um, if they decide to expand it further then it could be somewhat of a threat mm -hmm. well right now um there um turkey wants to join mexico wants to join indonesia wants to join Argentina, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, Egypt, and a number of other African countries want to join. But imagine if you get people like Saudi Arabia in there, with Russia, with China. Just look at the oil alone. And what if they bring Iran in? So you're looking at, I mean, we have to do a whole lot of alternative energy in this way. You know, with this amount of our powers coming together. Not only that, if Mexico and all these countries actually join BRICS, they would be a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. Because people are already looking at alternative trade, you know, with each other and stuff like that. But if you have all those that you listed there mm -hmm. coming together under the BRICS banner, mm -hmm. BRICS will no longer be a laughing stock when it started. Everybody thought, oh, it was a joke. Mm. It, will, it will fall apart, right? Yeah. And now it's picking up steam, so. As MK said in the chat, Donald, everything has an expiration date. We in Jamaica, we have a we have a couple of sayings. The higher monkey climb, the more he exposes himself. Today for you, tomorrow for me. What goes around comes around. Yeah. And every kin teeter laugh, fire there must must tail him think a cold breeze. Mm-hmm. Time is the master of everything. And rope will run out before time run out. All these old sayings that our parents and grandparents used to say, believe you me, they mean something. As I have said this, and for those who study history and theology and science, Everything, as MK says, has an expiration date. Nothing lasts forever. Nothing. Didn't Rome fall? 
the great Rome fell. Back in the day, Rome thought it was mighty and powerful, but it too fell. Now, what the U.S. needs to do is pay attention and get a brand new book and change the way they do things. Because if they remain stagnant, if they remain inflexible, not willing to negotiate, sorry, it's over for them. It's going to be. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Right now, Africa is the hot spot. Edmund Bartlett is pretty smart, if you ask me. I don't know if he sees the writing on the wall. Let us make sure we have these ties with Jamaica and the continent via tourism. Pretty smart move. We're no longer now going to court the North. Go right ahead, Donald. But you also see me a must believe in Barbados made a very big push for that in recent mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. And other Caribbean countries are coming on. Mm-hmm. You know, so people are realizing. And I remember Ghana with the um, year of the return and they pushed for integrating Africans in the diaspora back into Ghana has really ignited something. Yeah. What you find is you have some of the so-called developed and developing countries and third world countries are realizing that they could form their own alliances and they don't have to usually go through the Europe's and stuff like that. Of course, they work with the Chinese, the Russians, but people are also looking at alternative means of developing their countries and the economy in the interest of their people. Mm-hmm. We made the, the, the point earlier over the politicians and on the Jimmy Diamonds and stuff like that. You have a con- uh, president like Kagame at Rwanda who was considered a dictator. This is a man that take his country in 20 years from genocide to ranting in the top five safest country in the world. And we will call them all kind of names. Mm-hmm. But what's going on here? <laughs> Remember when I said this a couple of weeks ago, when we talk about, when I spoke about the brain drain and the marketing Can you imagine if every migrant in the U.S. packed up their families and either moved back to where they're from, taking back all their skills, their resources, everything, back to the countries from which they came along with their families and pour all of that into their countries, then we would see who they like to call our countries third world countries, then we would see who the real third world country is. I saw people before that said that if just the African doctors in New York alone oh Lord. were to leave and go back to Africa, the whole healthcare system would collapse. Hmm. And these are just doctors. Mm-hmm. And they were calling for the same doctors to participate back in their homelands to remote um, doctoring and stuff like that, where you set up these clinics and stuff like that, and they could do consultations, so that even if they're in the diaspora, they can have access, and they could provide a lot of health care and stuff like that. Yeah. And they have teams of people working with them. 
Yeah. So Think are you saying that. going back? I mean, there is a lot, and and the world is changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So these these synergies and these solutions are popping up because if you no longer have to be physically in, in a place to do something like some diagnosis or to, to carry a certain work, or if you can work in conjunction with doctors on the ground to help with research and so on, then it, it, it makes a whole lot of difference and it lowers the cost of healthcare and so on. So when we have innovative people that can take advantage of those systems and mediums, it can make a big difference. Yep. Get ready. The shift has already started. It has. Very soon, people will no longer be in lines at embassies trying to get to the U.S. or Canada or the U.K. Right now, the U.S., though. Instead, they'll be trying to find their way to Africa to find which country should I... Re- you know, probably right now, people sit on wondering, ah. Oh, Damn, which one am I going to go to? It's a calling back home. That's what it is. It is a calling back home. Going to take another quick music break. Here's some more from Jennifer Hudson. I feel good. Can't describe the way I feel. Yeah. good and that being said i am telling you thank you so much to everyone listening online the quality music zone qmzradio.com and johnoradio.com
beautiful and powerful voice of Miss Jennifer Hudson. It is hashtag WCW. We celebrate women every Wednesday through music. And today we are celebrating the talent of Jennifer Hudson. Quality music while you work or play. Remember to keep it logged on to www.qmzradio.com for that good music to get you through your day. There is Jennifer Hudson featuring Fantasia. Oh my gosh, two powerful voices on one track. I'm his only woman. You can mean the sign of him, especially when that's my man. Baby, now that he's with you, tell me why he call me fool. Yes, he played you like a fool. I think I'm yeah. I'm just trying to talk to you, baby, woman to woman. Like two adults, not trying to start. No commotion. But the man you claim is yours says his mind and he loves me too. Same promises to you, the honest truth. Yes, we both Seems the All right, it's time for us to get back to business. Time for business and tech news. Oh, he belongs to me, only me. Thank you, ladies. Yes, Javette, I am his, well, I am his only woman. Jennifer Hudson featuring Fantasia. Put that one in your playlist. <laughs> yes, go look for it. Go look for it, definitely. All right, in business and tech news, first up, student aid startup founder arrested on fraud charges. Story courtesy of the Associated Press via WSVN. The founder of Frank, a student loan assistance startup company that J.P. Morgan Chase acquired for $175 million two years ago, has been arrested on charges that she duped the financial giant by dramatically inflating the number of customers her company had authorities said on tuesday charlie javis 31 of miami beach florida was arrested on monday night in new jersey on conspiracy 
conspiracy. Oh my gosh, I can't pronounce my words today. Conspiracy, wire, and bank fraud charges. A charging document in Manhattan uh, federal court said she claimed her company had over 4 million users when it had fewer than 300,000 customers. Authorities said Javis, who appeared on the Forbes 2019-30 under 30 list, would have earned $45 million from the fraud. Uh, Question. How is she any different from Wells Fargo, Chase Bank, Bank of America, Citibank, and all these banks? How is she any different from the stock market? How is she any different? What's the difference? We've been duped anyway. Girl, you shouldn't have, though. A message-seeking comment was sent to an attorney for Javis, who was expected to make an initial appearance in court later that day. In a release, U.S. Attorney Damian Williams said Javis engaged in a brazen scheme to defraud the acquiring financial company by fabricating data to support lies she told in a bid to make tens of millions of dollars from the sale of her company. This arrest would warn entrepreneurs who lie to advance their businesses that their lies will catch up to them. So what about the banks? When are we going to catch up with the banks? That be robbing us. Girl, you chopping. You just got caught chopping. <laughs> so, the, so the difference here is that she's inflated her books versus the banks haven't inflated anything. They're actually using our money and they have actual customers. <laughs> That's what she got caught, unfortunately. Unfortunately. She didn't have the customers she said she had. <sighs> got to be smarter about it, right? She, gotta, she, 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 she dropped the ball. She was careless. <laughs> Rather than help the students, uh, it is alleged that Ms. Javis engaged in an old school fraud. She lied about Frank's success in helping millions of students navigate the college financial aid process by making up data to support her claims. She then used that fake information to induce J.P. Morgan Chase to enter into a $175 million transaction. Oh boy. <laughs> Go ahead. JP Morgan didn't do their due diligence either. I wonder why. Okay. That part. Okay. <laughs> ah, somebody knows somebody who knows somebody, possibly. Who did she get in bed with? Anyway. Are you laid off and leave? Well, it is legal and it's hitting some workers really hard. Story courtesy of NPR, Cat Fan was in bed last November recovering from major, and that's just uh, another name, okay? Cat Fan was in bed last November recovering from major abdominal surgery when her phone started blowing up. Facebook's parent company Meta had just announced a first round of layoffs. 11,000 employees, about 13% of the company would lose their jobs. Fan, a mother of three, had been recruiting, had been a recruiting manager for Meta for almost five years. But in the midst of a medical leave, she suddenly found herself without a job. Her layoff notification came while she was still on pain meds and in and out of sleep. By the time I woke up and checked my laptop, I was already fully locked out. 
Yes, it is legal to lay off an employee who is on leave, unfortunately. With the recent wave of layoffs in tech, media, and elsewhere, stories of people laid off while on medical or parental leave are proliferating. I was washing baby bottles while humming a damn Wiggles song stuck in my head when I got the news, said Mackenzie Gregory, an internal communication specialist at Salesforce, recently posted on LinkedIn. I thought I was protected being on maternity leave, and obviously I was wrong. Indeed, there is nothing illegal about laying off an employee in the middle of a leave, provided there is sufficient documentation that there is a legitimate non-retaliatory reason that's based on the business. And that's according to Ariana Murray, a labor and employment attorney. In other words, companies cannot use an employee's medical or parental leave as the reason to lay off a person. They have to be treated just the same as if they're working as usual. Still, some employers do wait until the end of someone's leave to implement a layoff. In some cases, they want to give that person extra time to get back on their feet. Other times, it is to avoid any chance of a costly legal fight. Even though a company may have a legitimate business reason for laying someone off, there is still a risk that an employee could bring a discrimination claim. Wow. Advice for newly laid off parents? For the many new parents who find themselves newly laid off, Carla Leon has a few words of advice. In 2020, Leon was in the middle of a four-month paid maternity leave from her job as an accounts manager with Booking.com. When the pandemic shut down, most of the travel industry and along with her with it her job the joy her newborn daughter brought her was suddenly mixed with fear about not having a job to return to try to enjoy your baby the most that you can she says jobs will come and go but the baby moments are fleeting there is no loyalty we know that you no 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 let me back that up there is loyalty, but it is one-sided. It is one-sided. I need you to be loyal to me. Forsaking all... It's, it sounds like um, wedding vows when you're standing in front of the priest that you're at the altar. Forsaking all others. Yeah. You and only you. I'm committed to you. I'm dedicated to you. Even at times forgetting my family for you. Being at your beck and call. Working long hours. My child is sick but I still have to come for you. I'm in pain but I still have to show up for you. I don't have any gas money but I, I'll make it there for you. To the ends of the earth I'll be there for you. And then it's wham bam thank you ma'am. They don't even care. No decency. No etiquette. Nothing. They just lock you out. You're trying to log in. You get up. When you could have been stretched out in your bed, you could have had some extracurricular activities during the night, but you told your partner, your significant other, oh, listen, I'm tired. I have a long day tomorrow. 
and you put your partner to the side and you get up in the morning and you stretch and you grab that cup of coffee and you sit down, log in, oh, can't get in. What's going on? And, and then you call HR and you're like, or you call IT and then IT says, let me transfer you to HR. And then HR says, we no longer need your services. Y'all couldn't just let me know this. And, and the hypocrisy, you are supposed to give me two weeks notice to let me know that you will no longer be working for me, but I don't need to give you a two weeks notice. <laughs> I just cut <laughs> you. this rule about people needing to give companies two weeks notice for what why should we give you two weeks notice when you can fire us just like that at will right how is that fair i'm i'm waiting for sunette to answer because isn't she the hr professional it's only request it's not mandatory and like, yeah, just like Virginia saying the thing, it's not, you don't have to give two weeks notice. You can say, ah, oh, it was nice, bye, and walk out. You're not going to be fine, you're not going to be sued. This is what we would like you to give two weeks notice. You don't have to do that. You never have to do that, ever. So why is it pushed so much when you when you go to meetings and they, they it's as though they you're blacklisted if you don't follow suit? It looks like you're burning bridges and you, they, they'll be less likely to give you a good reference and stuff like that when you, if you leave like that. It's just plain nice. That's all it is. It's plain nice, but it is not required. There's no such requirement. Mm. Unless, let me, let me be clear, it is absolutely possible that someone could have that in a job contract that says you must, but realistically i've never seen because i've write so many job offers in the past i've never seen since that you are required to give us two weeks notice hmm. we we have written one where i said it would be great if you could give us a month's notice because this job was hard to fill but i don't know of a requirement and there are like positions that are hard to fill hmm. and it becomes a little different they have different definitions around those jobs but they may have that requirement no. I'm going to stop now. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Sunette. Thank you, Virginia. MK says in the chat, unless you plan well, you might lose your benefits. Hmm. Yeah. One thing I can say, folks, 9 to 5, 9 to 5, not 9 to 6, 9 to 7, 9 to 8, nor 9 to 9. Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday, not Saturday and Sunday. Oh, I've learned my lesson <laughs> uh moments drew wanted to speak okay sure oh i wasn't looking at this because i was on the chat good welcome to the stage drew good morning good morning um, I, I was just coming up to say like put it into this perspective if you were hiring someone and you found out that they have a history of just leaving and not giving a notice would that make you a little bit hesitant on bringing them in, especially if you don't know when this person is going to decide to just walk out? It's, it's like, I get what you're saying. It's, it's something that I think is just one of those things in life where like, it's kind of like, okay, you can go to a job interview, right? And you can choose to either wear a suit or if you're a woman, a nice dress, 
or you can just walk in there with some jeans on. Just don't be upset when you don't get the job. And it's like, it's unfortunate, but it's like, these are just kind of like the unspoken rules of things. Mm-hmm. And even though some of them don't make a lot of sense, if the other foot, I don't know, I would, I would be hesitant to hire somebody if they have a history of just walking off and not giving any kind of notice because then that leaves you in a lurch. If they're working on the project, you got to find somebody else to work on it or take it on yourself and it puts you in a bind. It's just a professional thing to do. But on the other side of that, you as a prospective employer is not supposed to know that. All you're supposed to give is when they worked, right? What salary they made, Mm -hmm. right? And I forget the last thing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, In the state of California, you can no longer know someone's previous salary. Good. You can't even ask that. Good. But that's California. I'm not sure if it's it's nationwide. I just know you can no longer ask what someone made in their salary. If they want to volunteer, that's their business, but you cannot ask the question at all. I approve that one for California. Yes, indeed. No, I mean, ask the prior employer. You're supposed to be, well, back in the day, you ask a range. They couldn't give you the exact, but you can say it's a range between A and B. Oh, really? Oh, you mean for a verification process? Yes. Um, when the, um, when they're calling your your past employer for information. Hmm. And, and you're correct. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. No, go on, Jeff. I was going to say what you were saying, um, Javet, was correct that they, they don't have the right to ask the previous um, whether you gave notice or not. But I think one of the ways they get around that is when they ask you, when can you start? And if they know you're some, you're already at another place and you say, oh, I can start immediately. It's like, hmm, you know what I'm saying? Versus saying, well, can I give can I give my other place two weeks and then start? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the questions in the interview because they know they can't ask you them that. But it's a good way to know if you just say, oh, I'll leave right now. And it's like, oh, OK. And if someone does that, <laughs> you know what? Let me be quiet. <laughs> Let, let's, let's just say that no one should do that. <laughs> no one should. No the one operative. should do that. Let me just say that. The yes. operative word should. <laughs> and really quickly, I just want to go back. The, um, the question is called ban the box. The question is, when you're asking about salary, that part got removed um, in New York State first and then California. So I would not be surprised if nationwide is becoming a thing that a, a new employer or a prospective employer cannot, can no longer ask a prospective employee what their previous salary was. Those are a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what HR is though, Sonette? Very wordy. <laughs> oh my God. But yes, exactly. So um, I think banning the box has become pretty pretty standard is what i want to say yeah i, I i'm i'm, I'm for that i'm i'm for that sonette thank you so much for enlightening us where that is concerned um and here's the other question one more question and then i keep it moving why is it that a company asks for some companies not all some companies will ask you for your two weeks resignation 
you abide by that. You turn in that two-week resignation and then they walk you out the door right away. That is to stop you from maybe manipulating any data or blowing up their system. 100%. That's somebody who has... That's that's a person who ha- would have the ability to do something malicious. Even if that person doesn't want to, if that person has the ability to do anything malicious that could uh, cause problems, they wouldn't want that person out. So then isn't it better then for people to just go ahead and submit their resignation with immediate effect and don't even worry about, well, you quit the job the same day, you walked off the job the same day because 601, you're getting shot at anyway. Not necessarily. Not all people who resign give a two-week notice are asked to leave. Some people are like, oh, gosh, yes. You know, when I was leaving, they asked me to stay longer. They asked me to come back and maybe, like, do you, you want to come back and work for maybe one week, one day a week? Do you want to do that? Because they really needed a person and a body, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not trying to say it's me. Right. They wanted someone to do that job. And they, and they didn't think of me as someone I could screw them over terribly, excuse the language. Right. But I wouldn't do that because that's not me or my personality. But they, they would, you know, after working with people for some time, you know what they're capable of. Mm. Or you want to think you know what people are capable of. So someone who, who had any sort of malicious thoughts could absolutely destroy a company in the last hours of them leaving. But if you give them, if you don't trust them, you don't want to give them a week or two to um, to do all they can do. They tell you they want to resign. They say, okay, thank you. Enjoy. Let me get your final check ready. Yeah. Okay, your vacation time, and and that's it. Your sick time, sorry, does not. We don't pay that out. And if it's somebody who you, who the company really regret leaving, sometimes companies will go as far as giving them a little bit more time. But that's not completely standard either. Right. Okay. And don't take it personally if they just ask you to leave the same day. Right, right. Don't personally. Do not. Not at all. It's business. (laughs) All right. Okay. Thank you for that healthy conversation surrounding um, HR issues. Okay. So next up, NASA announces first woman and first black astronauts to go on a lunar mission. Story courtesy of Bala Alert. NASA has announced that the first woman and first black astronauts will join a four-member team to fly around the moon in more than 50 years. The agency revealed that U.S. Navy aviator Victor Glover was chosen as the Artemis II pilot and Christina Koch, an engineer who already holds the record for the longest continuous space flight by a woman, as a mission specialist. Aside from being a part of the second crewed flight of a SpaceX Crew Dragon capsule, Glover will be the first astronaut of color to go on a lunar mission. Additionally, Jeremy Hansen, the first Canadian to be ever selected for a mission to the moon, will serve as a mission specialist, while Reed Wiseman, a veteran of the International Space Station, will lead the four-person crew as Artemis II mission commander. All right, then. Washington State stockpiles thousands of abortion pills in our health and science segment. Story courtesy of NPR. 
Washington state officials have stocked up on a key abortion drug in preparation for the possibility that it could become much more difficult to access nationwide, pending the outcome of a federal lawsuit brought by anti-abortion rights groups. Governor Jay Inslee, a Democrat, says he ordered the Washington Department of Corrections to use its pharmacy license to buy 30,000 doses of the drug an estimated three-year supply for patients in Washington state. The pills were received on March 31st. And the name of the drug, folks, is Mifepristone or Mifepristone, M-I-F-E-P-R-I-S-T-O-N-E. Inslee says the University of Washington has obtained an additional 10,000 doses or about enough for a fourth year. Noting that Washington is the first state to take such an action, Inslee called the purchase and insurance policy in case the drug becomes unavailable and it's time for sports news this one was sent over by dre yesterday thank you so much for sending it over uh we brushed on it just a little bit but north carolina bill could ban participation trophies for local youth sports story courtesy of the amp.newsobserver.com Participation trophies in youth sports could be banned in North Carolina if a new bill filed in the state Senate passes into law. Senator Timothy Moffitt, a Hendersonville Republican, introduced SB 430, eliminate participation trophies on Thursday. It would prohibit some sports leagues from awarding children except on the basis of their performance. Youth sports or other youth recreation activities operated under the authority of a local government shall not include awards to participants based solely on their participation in the sport or other activity. Awards provided in connection with the activity, if any, shall be based on identified performance achievements. The bill does not specify an age range for children it would apply to, simply referring to activities for youth. Republican Senators Bobby Hanig and Eddie Settle are also named as bill sponsors. Moffitt did not immediately return a request for comment on Thursday. <sighs> oh boy. Um, whatever. What? Nobody knows how to lose. What about good sportsmanship and know how to take your losses and use that as encouragement to, um, no, no, no. Are, are there other issues that North Carolina could be more concerned with at this point? Anything? Anything else? Or nothing else is going on there, so they're just going to go for this. I just, I'm with you on that because I have several trophies from sports and athletics and other things that my mom keeps at her house. And it's a it's one of those things where you you learn, you know, both how to lose and you learn how to win and you and you learn the joy of, you know, achievement and things like that. And I think when you take that out of the equation, um, I don't know if you're teaching kids the right lesson. I mean, you're not always going to win. And when you get into the workforce. Um, you're not always going to get the same thing as everybody else. You're going to have to work hard for what you want a lot of times. 
um, you do get some blessings by God, and, and I know I've gotten more than a few, <laughs> um, but um, there's also moments where you have to show up and you have to put your best foot forward and learn how to trudge through, um, and I don't think you learn that by everybody just getting participation trophies. Right. Thank you, Drew. But what about, and I'm glad you mentioned the, the trophies at your mom's house. How many times have we watched um, pieces on TV, for example, leading up to a, a, a sport event, and they interview the parents of the, the athlete and, you know, and other youngsters get inspired by seeing the accomplishment, the hard work, the reward for the hard work. The sleepless nights, the getting up at 4 a.m. and being out there on the field or on the court and still making it to class or still having to honor other commitments and still being able to shine at the end of it all because everything, the blood, sweat and tears they poured into it paid off. And they have this trophy as a symbol of their accomplishment, the hard work, the recognition. So if we strip that away, what do people have to work for anymore? Everybody, and this is a problem. I think we are raising a, a group of young people who feel entitled. Everybody feels entitled to everything. Nobody wants to work for anything anymore. Who came up with the idea of participation trophy? <laughs> Yes, I remember. Let's invite the, the second team winner to the White House. <laughs> they, 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 they won second place. They should come to the White House too. I am not for it. Do not give a participation trophy. If they did something really well, sure. <laughs> but no, not because they all play the soccer on the man. No. I'm sorry, Donna. I'll keep interrupting you. I'm done speaking. <laughs> I remember getting dropped from teams. And because I wasn't good enough. And guess what? I had to learn to go and train and decide that when I get on that team, I am not getting off. So you have to keep your spot, even when you're playing, because somebody want to get on their team. If you run and you don't come in the first three, sorry, train for next year. It's that simple. And it allows you to be able to handle feeling. Mm -hmm. It allows you. But when everybody just participate and get a trophy, what is that? <laughs> you, you know, I've well, been Javette, one second. After Javette, Dre, go right ahead, Javette. Sorry, go ahead, Javette. I was just I've been I've been thinking about this <laughs> for a while now. And I think I think it for me, I think it started when um people started uh, feeling deflated like when they try and they see nothing it was like a mental thing so in order to keep a person up you showed them that at least you tried like hearing that verbally didn't count anymore it didn't brighten someone it didn't push the person it, sometimes people started falling deeper in it I don't know. I've just been thinking about mental illness and just where we're at and are we raising softer children or did was there a shift somewhere that started this whole thing? So, 
Yeah. I don't know if I I don't know if I explained myself properly. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Javet. Go right ahead, Drew. I just wanted to say, um, you know, there is a particular trophy at her house, at my mom's house, and I was telling somebody about it. I said it's my favorite because we were in a softball uh, league um, when I was in school. And we had won like two years straight and it was a championship game and a girl I was dating at the time, her little sister, right when I was leaving to go to the field, she snatched my hat off my head and it was brand new. And I was chasing her like, no, 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 please don't drop that. Please don't drop that. And I tripped on a parking bump and I, I, I cut my leg, my shin really bad. And I mean, I was bleeding everywhere. And all I could think about was, am I going to miss the game today because of this? And I snatched the hat and I started walking off. And the team was like, Drew, you, are you coming? Are you coming back? I'm like, man, give me a second. I'm going to try to come back. I ran to the house. I doused my leg in peroxide and alcohol. And I wrapped it up in an ace bandage as good as I could. And I hobbled back to the school. And not only did we win, I got a home run in the game. And it's important to me because it reminds me that when you push through, good things can happen. And I just think that, you know, when you when you remove that from a kid's spirit, it's like, what kind of adult will they become? Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, I try to, you know, it's like, it's like you know, it, it teaches you not to give up. You may not win, but don't give up. You know what I'm saying? Yes, Drew. It teaches you resilience. But let's jump to a comment in the chat that Dre put. Last place can never be first place. It's like, I just need to show up. People will take, and not will, they take that same attitude to the workplace. I just need to show up and I do not need to perform. A bunch of people showing up for a check. That's the mentality that this is promoting. Exactly. Further promoting, Dre, because many people already do that. Show up to work, do the least amount of work. They latch on to someone who is forward thinking, someone who is an overachiever, someone you know who, who is a go-getter. They latch themselves onto that person. And then nine times out of 10, they end up reaping the reward. A reward they don't deserve. It is, we are definitely fostering this um, sense of entitlement and uh, raising a weak generation. If we were to throw this generation now into the woods and see, what, do you think they could survive? Could they even manage Survivor or Amazing Race? No, because they don't think out the, outside of the box. They don't. But I mean, it's not even with sports. It's even in school now. You can't grade a person's paper with red pen. And let me just tell you, oh, I'm, gosh. An adult. I'm an adult and I don't like when I see red pen on my work. <laughs> <laughs> it still traumatizes me. I have, I have, I had a boss that would, correct things or send me notes with red pens and it 
traumatizes me to this day. <laughs> okay, so it is a big mental thing. But why is that? I can't tell you. Okay, so um, who was that? One, go ahead, Sonette. Go right ahead. I was going to say, Javette, my husband only grades with purple. He <laughs> intentionally does not use red pen on his students' paperwork. I think he knows it. He knows it. So he only... He's always looking for a purple pen because he doesn't want blue or black, so he does something different. And and he has a little stack, stash of purple pens to grade their, their stuff. I mean, I am not for, for I'm, like I said in my in the chat, I'm not for the participation, but to create an entire bill seems like just a misuse of state yes. um, resources. I second that, Sonette. I definitely second that. And before... Um... Let me. I came across this. I don't know how true this is. Anyone in the medical field, you can confirm or deny. Do you ever notice when you go to the doctor, your blood pressure is actually higher than normal? Get the best blood pressure machine and use it at home. They want to prescribe you with blood pressure pills and get you in the cycle. Is there any truth to that? Are they using... A different machine that's amplified or could it be that our blood pressure is elevated when we go to the doctor because anxiety kicks in or could it be because we had something we should not have had the morning before thoughts on that yeah sure, yeah, sure. yes uh, you have two minutes <laughs> sure sure um when it comes to that, you, if you ever have a doctor that does that to you, just try to find you another one because um, the doctors that I've had, um, when I when they come in, they would check with the, the, the electronic blood pressure cuff. And then if it was high, they would wait a minute because they know sometimes that people are nervous when they come in. And so they'll give you a minute and then they'll bring the actual old school manual cuff and put that on you to get a more accurate read. And a lot of times what my doctor had done was um, she would just do it over a session of time. And if every time it was around the same, then she would prescribe medication because she's like, okay, if you're coming in and every time it's this or around this, then there may be an issue. And then they start you off on a small dose, not a huge one. Mm -hmm. So it's just all how how the approach is. Okay, so it's a, the approach. So thank you so much for sharing that, Dre. And in the chat, Virginia says white coat syndrome. Chief says anxiety. Tasha agrees, anxiety and nerves. I want to think it's anxiety that helps to elevate. Um, do do as much as you can. Okay, so MK says I've noticed big or extra large cuffs tend to give high numbers. All right, so. Um, don't get alarmed when you go and you get that high reading and think, oh my God, my life is over. No, get multiple readings, do lifestyle changes as well, diet changes as well. All right. And it is that time, unfortunately, folks. So sad that I've got to say goodbye. Speak your name. But ain't no mountain high enough and ain't no valley low enough that will keep me away from you. I will be back tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, for another round of Coffee in Tow.
so much to everyone that logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. For quality music while you work or play, keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. And a big thank you to everyone that logged on to JanoRadio.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Nonstop Party Vibe Station. Download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go. And if you ever want to catch up on an, an episode of Coffee in Tow or Days After Dark that you may have missed, log on to johnoradio.com, click on podcasts, and you will find your missing show there. Or if you are on Clubhouse, you can catch the replay. With that being said, got to give a big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. Thank you for the great conversation, shared views, varying opinions, and always interesting perspectives remember you can follow me on twitter at me media moments on instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on tiktok moments with me media and the mean everything is mi catch you all tomorrow morning 9 a.m eastern let me do this all over again tomorrow is throwback thursday fling it way back in music music and retrospect not sure what genre we're we gonna go with tomorrow but qmz radio and jano radio this is moments with me signing out this was a moments with me media production <laughs>